welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. On this episode, we did a live stream on YouTube and Facebook Live with the band Union. We had all 15 members on, and uh, we we got into some, some mischief. We made fun of Mike Jeffers a little bit, and everybody had a great time. They definitely talked about their feelings. Uh, they dropped some gems and some stories, and really it was more like a home invasion. Definitely a good hangout with the guys, and you can watch it on YouTube. Check it out. You got What's up, world? Um, this is the latest edition of the NCS Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast, and we are here with all the members of the band Union, except for one. Sprig. Two. Or two. two. Yeah, where's Sprig? <laughs> We're without Mike and without Sprig. Sprig's got kids, too. He's putting them to bed. Probably, yeah. That makes sense, actually. So what are you guys up? Well, how's how are you guys doing? How is Union in 2021? <laughs> Separately, we're crushing it. I think crunching, we're crunching. <laughs> Still got those metal harmonics. <laughs> yeah, awesome Pitch harmonics. Very hey, cool. What's up, yeah, Chris? Yeah. What's up with y'all? It's good to see your face. Oh, thanks. My face likes being seen sometimes. <laughs> Alex, I think I've met before, right? You're from yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. And then I know Derek. I don't know if I know Christopher, though. Are you um, from Buffalo, too? I am. Oh, okay. I, uh, for a very long time, uh, Jeffers thought that I hated Union because apparently I'm the only person who ever smiles at hardcore shows. What? <laughs> this is so that. weird. Why would you hate Union? What, 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 that was so weird. I never understood that. We were like the nicest, goofiest bunch of people. No, I, no, I think you may have, Chris. It's okay. Like, <laughs> you can like, it's fine. I, it's fine. I ever hated Union, but I'm not going to lie. I thought that, like, in the beginning, when you guys were like, we're New York hardcore Buffalo. <laughs> like, oh, there's way too much stuff going on right now. What's that? There's way too much stuff going on right now. That's true. That's valid. But I mean, I mean, I, I fucking, I love Jeffers. I never, I always like you. I don't think I met the other guys. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm why I'm nice surprised guy. Vic doesn't know you. Like I, like I feel like I saw you a lot. Maybe I, I do, and you just look a lot different. I was gonna say I also look a lot different than I did back then. Okay, that makes sense. He's wearing so, more clothes. His oh, hair yeah. I had, I had more. You were the naked guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that cool. was me. But people used I, to call people used to call Chris Puck because he was always on his bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That actually was started. <laughs> I don't know that by, helps. Um, Puck? That was, yeah, that was started by. I don't remember if Paul Bierker started that, but what it started the, in that house. Yeah, that sounds right. Who was the guy? Who was the guy? The big dude that used to have the septum ring, that like could beat us all up. Like Mike Trance. Mike Trance. That's the guy. I've been trying to think of that Trance. Yeah. I still talk to Mike all the time. Oh, he lives near you, right, Keith? No, he some piercing. Yeah, that he had like a spike for a while. Um, Trance moved to Martha's Vineyard, like, and so he's still out there. 
He was so. But I still talk to my uncle from Troy, right? Grew up in Troy, yeah. Uh, so like he was like it was like him and Phil Fuentes. Remember Big Phil? Yeah. Like his Phil was like in Path Resistance. He was part of like the Syracuse, yeah. like, like that whole crew. He always punched the floor a lot. Did a lot of that floor <laughs> punching thing. I might have a picture of trans floor punching somewhere. Let's see if I can pull it up. I got some oh, funny stories, man. You have I like got... that picture of like of the big like Jesus on his back while he's doing mm -hmm. that, right? It's there yeah. too, yeah. Let me yeah. see if I can find it real quick while oh, we're getting ready God. here. Let me see. I should text Mike to tune in, although it'll be. <laughs> Do it. I haven't talked to Trans since forever. Yeah. I'll link you outside of this. We don't need that kind of energy. <laughs> what? Wasn't he a raver, too? Or am I imagining that? Mike would, you know, for a straight edge dude, Mike would go where the party was at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was no surprise <laughs> when he, like, stopped being straight edge. Like, it was no surprise. Yeah. Oh, he's not being straight edge. Okay, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got I got to real quick tell you that my I've been listening to episodes for this. Like my favorite was when Vogel literally told you like either name names or shut up about like some of the rumors like that you guys were like throwing at him. Where he was like where he was like either you name names yeah. or like yeah. Shut up. I you know I didn't want to put people on blast because some of those people listen to the podcast and they don't need their business put out there like that. It was great. I love listening to anything Scott's on because he has no memory and that's like how I feel about stuff. Dude, his memory is like. This is why we need Mike. Some of the worst three that yeah. we've encountered. <laughs> yeah, like if you've got questions for us that don't involve specifics, like now's the time to ask them because <laughs> Mike Michael have it down to the minute and the second. I'm surprised he wasn't <laughs> the first one in here. Ah, he's there he, he is. is. He's coming. There he is. Yeah, there he is. There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Scott's here too. Hey, Scott. What's up, third or, or ten Sprig? people here now? What's up, ten, ten people in here? This yeah. is like a renegade show. This is a renegade show. <laughs> Yo, can I just uh, give Ben a cheers before we get started? <laughs> Me? <laughs> Thank you, Sprig. How are you, buddy? Good. Good to chat with you, man. I got to see Keith. Oh, I've got shaving cream. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got edge shaving cream. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's let's start this interview because that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, for those who were listening to us bullcrap for a while, this is the NCS podcast, and we're talking to Union, a Buffalo hardcore band from the '90s. Um, let's do it like this. So. Everybody introduce yourselves and tell us what you did in Union. Or actually, hold on a second. Uh, Alex, Chris, and Derek, introduce yourselves. My name's Alex. <laughs> I'm Derek. And I'm Chris. And that's NCS Podcast. Now, Union, let's talk about yourselves. Uh-oh. Start with Keith. We lost my mind. Yeah, I, I, I guess. All right. I am Keith Brown. I was the uh, singer, vocalist of Union. My name is Vic Lazar. I was a guitar player in Union. I'm Scott Sprigg. I was the second guitar player in Union. I'm Rob Antonucci. I was the third guitar player in Union. <laughs> Not all at once, though. Shit, man. I, I, I came know. at the end. That was sick. I'm Ben, and I played the bass. All right. Um, oh, is that me? Yeah, Mike Union. That's that's me. I, I played the drums. Cool. All right. So 
you know, we guys are all, we were, you guys were banned in Buffalo. So where is everyone now? Where are uh, people I live in, I live in uh, Schenectady, New York, the capital district, which is sort of a, a <laughs> part of a Albany, Schenectady, Troy area. Okay. I'm in Covina, Los Angeles, California. I'm back in Buffalo, New York, after 14 years in Orange County, California. Dick and I overlapped for a little while out there. That was nice. Good to see him. Cool. Yeah. Definitely miss it. Yeah. I live south of Rochester. I'm in uh, Geneseo now. Ben, where's Ben? I'm in Jersey City, I think. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Not in Ronkonkoma no more? No, that would no. I uh, grew up on Long Island. Um, Sprig likes to talk about that. Dude, I got kicked out twice already. What are you doing, Mark? I'm not doing anything to you. Must out of here, oh, you, you haven't even said the magic words to get kicked out yet. Where the oh, magic words man. get kicked out? You know what the magic words are. I do. I do know what the magic words are. I'm not going to say it. Nope, because you'll get kicked out. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So you're wearing your own band's T-shirt. So hey, before, it, it, this this was before I was in their band though. Yo 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 yo. Okay, <laughs> so so how do you get start? Who wants to start it? I'll go. I think that's all, Mike. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. There's a uh, me and Brown decided in the fall of '94 that we were we wanted to play in a hardcore band in Buffalo. Um, What's up with Jeffers? Yo, I think his connection so is kind of wacky. Over. All right, All right uh, so yeah, so Mike was one of the first people that I that I met uh, when when I came to Buffalo. Mike was a year ahead of me, and uh, we just talked about like we've been at some of the same shows and stuff. Like we were. Uh, That's me. I didn't even say Patrick crazy even once. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> Mike, I just I I had only just picked up the picked up the fire. Man. Go ahead. Oh. Well, yeah, me, me and Brown wanted to do a band. Um, you know, we had similar interests in the, in the bands that we loved. Um, I had actually met Ben uh, before he even came up to Buffalo because my buddy Alex, who went to Damon, and Ben lived in the town over in Long Island for my aunt. Uh, me and my buddy Alex were at, uh, I think, the Smith Haven Mall, Ben. It was, I yeah. I met you and Nicole there, yep. and I told Ben – he said he was going to Buffalo, and I said, "Good. When you get up there, you're going to be in a band with me." You said then, you're going to uh, be in my band. I did. I, I did. Didn't and, I, I? and I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so it was very specific. Um, and and uh, you know, at first, it was me and Keith um, trying to start a hardcore band, and but I was still uh, playing drums in that alternative rock band with uh, with uh, Aaron Chicken McPherson and uh, Eric Polovich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Chicken McPherson. That's right. Hashtag Chicken McPherson. What did McPherson do in the alternative band? Yo, singer. Didn't okay. he was a singer? Okay. Didn't Ben play guitar in Filter for a second? I did uh, for a hot second. I played yeah. um, on some classic hits such as Chains in My Brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got kicked out four times. I'm going. I'm going to switch to my phone because this uh, this obviously isn't working. Okay. Uh, Chains in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> pretty- <laughs> 
Can't believe you guys just doing 30 seconds, but like that. that was a, a, a key moment, obviously, if Ben says chains in my brains. Are there any MP3s of this? Chains in my brains? There, there are. Um, are McPherson, there? McPherson, you know, sounded strangely like Glenn Danzig. It was good. Really? Yeah, and it was just, it was just like, it, I'm not saying it was good by any stretch of the imagination, but it was oh. very, very just 90s alternative. Um, but actually, it, it was pretty terrible. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know? It was it was really it was awesome. Like you know, we, we played a show at the the Orchard Park uh, like teen center, and yeah. uh, the band before us um, played a Rage Against Machine cover. They were like, "Oh shit, we were gonna play that. What are we gonna do?" So when we played, we played it anyway. But the kids went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's gone again. <laughs> He's like the wind. Patrick Swayze, he's what? like the wind. <laughs> we should all just guess how that And dead. Yeah. You want me to just pick this up now? I could just pick this up now. Yeah, yeah. keep picking, keep picking up Jeffrey's there. So, <laughs> so I I knew Vic from living in the same dorm, and Vic and I had like, like just jammed a little bit, hanging out and like whatever, and Vic is like a sick guitarist. Like Vic is... Oh one of the more talented people I've ever played music with, like, ever. Like, Vic is... Thanks, Keith. Vic's, like, got it, right? Like, Savant-type stuff, right? So I was like, listen, I was like... And and we, like, were into, like, Alice in Chains, and we were, like, we like we like we were, we were shared some of the same kind of heavier music, and so, like, I started, like, you know, being like, check this out, check this out, we listened to heavier and heavier stuff, mm -hmm. and so, like, Mike and I were talking about being in a band, Vic sort of was in the picture, so I was like, listen... Like maybe we like let's 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 start jamming. Let's see what we can what we can pull off. And like Vic and I actually wrote a lot of songs like on acoustic guitars in the dorm room, which is like wild for a hardcore yeah. band to like be yeah. able to do that. Um, but yeah, and then so like uh, we started off where I was playing bass and singing at the same time, which was like not great at all. Um, Mike claims that like it sounded good. I don't think it sounded good, but uh, but that's good. how it started. It was fine. But like I didn't want to do that because I had played bass like in a punk band in high school, um, and uh, and so we played like we 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 tried out a couple bass players like Jeremy Mazguy played bass for a hot minute. Um, uh, that's right, right? Jeremy right. in here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have talked. Literally, had, this was face down, right? So face down days. So we like sort of played some basement shows because we were hanging out with a lot of people playing like in University Heights and doing like basement. Like we would play with like Towpath, like and straight up Robot Kill. What up, Glenn? Uh, if he's Robots listening, kill. listen. Robots Kill. So we played like a lot of just really fun shows there. Um, and then uh, Jeremy was like, "This is not my scene. I don't want to do this anymore." And so we just drafted Ben into it, um, and like that's how we were for a while. And then uh, like we were hanging out with Scott, and I don't know, maybe Scott should pick up from here. Like when Scott joins the band. Yeah, but you got to remember, me and Scott had been hanging out, skating, and going to shows and things like that, like a year right. before you guys yeah. even got to Buffalo. So we we had already had a relationship, like very intimate. Yes, we were definitely in a relationship. Yeah, that. We, would, we would hang out a lot. Uh, just uh, remember watching you guys play at UB at the Black Box Theater, and basically just came to hang with Mike, and that was what everyone did once a week there, which was just tons of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were going to tons of shows together. 
And I just remember seeing you guys playing a black box and I'd never been in a band before, but had been playing a lot and had a failed attempt at making a Sam I am sounding band with Tim Turcock actually, who ended up doing copper. And obviously that was something Mike loved and other guys in the band love, but still hardcore kid and saw them play at black box. I was like, dude, you guys are writing some new material. I've been watching you guys play. You're getting better. Uh, you know, I'm ready to do a band as well. Uh, would you be on board with having me jam with you guys? So we just had a few practices together. Uh, clicked both musically as well as personally. I mean, we just had some of the best times hanging out and then writing new tunes. Yeah. Was yeah, that, that summer, there, there, there was a summer where me and Scott spent to remember, Scott, when I stayed with you guys for a little while. And we got real, you and I got real close. Like we had a really nice summer, um, learning the song, like really tightening our our guitar playing. And summer '95, um, right? You stayed with uh, Duran mm -hmm. and Lockport too. Yeah, that. and I was coming out to stay with Scott sometimes. And we were just, you know, I felt like that was when the band really kind of came into like more of a, you know, we we tightened the bolts. And I think our first show was that Lockport show, right? The um, Kenzie's. I feel like there's oh, a video. We played of there a bunch of times. Um, you mean our first show was a five piece? Yeah. No, that was with Lifetime at Showplace. That was my oh, first. That's right. So I remember being. That was fun. Yeah, I remember having a little bit of the butterflies beforehand, and yeah, finished up. Ah, I could have played better, but uh, that show so awesome. was the first like great show. That show was was better. Worked off the, you know, worked out the kinks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that summer, like you said, Dick, tons of fun hanging out. Oh, For so me cool. as a musician, it was interesting because I had never played anything other than straight tuning. So for me to play drop D tuning was something totally different. Right, right. So it took yeah. me a moment to get used to that. But I know. <laughs> yeah, so that worked out really well. And it was great to like bounce ideas off of Vic as I started to get more comfortable into the band and stuff mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> yes. And he's punching the floor. Yeah. Perfect. Yo, his it. ego does not need for him to make an appearance here. No, what did he say? <laughs> he got that when he got that triple X heart tattoo. After he got it done, the first person to see it was like, Why did you get a KKK tattoo? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Derek had a question before. Sorry, Derek. Sorry, Derek. I was just uh no, it's no problem. The demo was recorded at this point before Scott was in or in this. Oh, all right. Let, let's go back. Do, do we count the face down stuff or only from when we did like a demo as Union? Ah, uh, Union. Okay. Yeah. Indignation. Uh, Indignation. So there was, there was, yeah, there was a face down demo and then obviously we changed our name to Union. Um, so why did you change the name? Like, let's oh. not just blank it all, like, you know, okay. skip over that. Like, right. Let's. So we're playing me and Keith and Vic are playing at Willow 104 <laughs> yes. uh, up in the falls, right? With, like Against oh. All Hope and uh, oh, that's I right. think it might Love Child. Um, oh, God, Robots Kill. Robots Kill. And I think the that Rick Miami from Virus X did the show. You know, that really old guy who... Yeah. Uh, I remember him. Yeah. So oh, when we were up there, we kept getting... Kept getting Bob was there, too. Yeah, these Canadian kids kept asking me, like... Oh man, you, you we love Face Down. You guys from Ontario, right? We're like, no, what are you talking about? Right? You know, I told the guys, we we're like, well, whatever, we didn't know. But then, like, like I think it was uh, probably like um, 
maybe Rob Bob and Eric Elman were, you know, they didn't, they didn't know us at the time either. You know, I think they thought we were the other face down too. Like, man, apparently this other face down is pretty popular. We should probably change the name. I mean, if it was Rob Bob and Eric Elman asking you about it, that was in the particular genre of the scene. And I understand why you wouldn't have known about it. Oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, the ironic thing, the the funny thing, I, I don't know if Ben and Keith and Vic remember when we came up with the name union, like what we were doing. Driving to the mall. That's right. What street were we on? We were driving on Union. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. I was in the backseat of your Renault, the red Renault. That's right. That was the one to watch. Because if you were Buffalo Hardcore, you had to have a Renault at that time, like like Maz Guy and Ranger, you know, and Hale. You had to have a Renault. And Renault, too. You know, there were like five Renaults in the entire world. They were all sold here in Buffalo, and five hardcore guys bought it. Wait, was it one that let me, let me you, bring Mike. one up? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm convinced this union interview is just another excuse to get Jeffers on here for comedy. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. I love it. It makes me laugh, man. I miss you guys. Miss you guys too, man. We were uh, joking about how, like, oh, there's going to be 10 people in this. But with Jeffers, it's really, like, 15. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I requested that Mark use, you know, Robert's rules for meetings. uh, He agreed to. You sent, like, a five-page document that no one's reading on how to a freaking podcast. That's not happening. Who? Mike had terms? Mike had terms for this? Uh, There's one term, and he knows what it is. That is. Was one of oh. these? <laughs> that way. That's a that's a car. car. <laughs> was that the car? No, no, that's a that's a lay car. That's right. <laughs> All right. The, the Renault Encore. But I had a there was a Renault Encore. Yeah. And um, geez, I can't even remember what the other one was called. I had the, I had the hatchback. I gotta find this thing. Hold on one second. Let me. I had, let me like see gold, I... I had gold rims on it. It was it was bad. <laughs> Mike, you had a really, really good uh, sound system in that thing, though. Always. Oh, kicker, kicker. All the Is way. it one of these things? Nah. No, no that's, that's a car. That's still a car. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's a Renault Alliance. Oh, Alliance. I'm going to pull one up right that's now. It. Yeah. And uh, I, had a, I had an eight ball shifter. I had uh, two 15 inch pile drivers in the back. Um, I had like a 3,000 watt amp. And, and you, you wonder this, why I didn't like Union. Like, yeah, this, why? You had this deck of tapes, man. Like, I mean, was it one of these? Like, seventy-five that's, tapes in the thing. That's the on. That's the uh, the encore. Like, like Lasky and them had. I had I had the, the Alliance hatchback. Okay, fair oh, enough. So good. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Vic. I I still have like all of those tape boxes, and Bob knows about it too because he's been in ten thousand bands with me. You know, the tapes used to go everywhere. You have to explain that I'm Bob and Rob. Oh, <laughs> Bob, we have to go over this all the time. Yeah, there's only one Rob Bob, and he's not here. So oh, I'm not explain Rob. that. I'm Rob to everybody except for a small group of people who's named Mike Jeffers <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron McPherson. To be fair. And exactly. Sandy and Sandy. And, and you are over forty years old, so you're now Bob. That's it. That's my car. That's it, right, right there. That's it. Yeah, picture it in in maroon. I, I think that lower picture there was a maroon one. 
Yeah, it's yeah, like, it was, what is it, that? Yeah, it was that color, but the, the body style in the middle. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Like I said, I had an eight ball shifter. I had blacked out windows on that. I had a LeBra. <laughs> That's true. I mean, That's I, true. I've it was a leather car bra. I'm sorry. <laughs> for the younger people that might be listening, that's a leather bra for the front of your car. Yeah. <laughs> and your car doesn't have tits. Don't worry. <laughs> yep. that's, not, that's not something new. I think at this point it would be a great be a great time to bring up how everyone was living during that time of the band with people in the dorms and how we practice because looking back on it, it blows oh. and how we would oh. practice. How did we practice? Uh, I use my connections working at residence life to get us into uh, <laughs> 170 right. Fillmore uh, lecture hall to practice. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, so we all lived in the dorms. I had my own room up in the tower um, next to big Bill Boltrick. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Big Bill. The Bill of Rights. Um, and then you you guys uh you guys lived um down what the was it second or third floor? We were in the quad. Know. We were in yeah. the quad somewhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ben and I Ben and I and Vic lived in a quad, right? So Ben and I Ben and I shared a room and then Vic got assigned a random guy, Tamir, who ended up being like one of our best friends. Oh, I love that him. guy had no idea what he was getting to. Like we partied, like VOD, we had a party and VOD partied in that room, like with us. And Tamir was like, what is going on right now? Like the band Vision of Disorder, like party with us in our dorm. Like Tim Tim we, wanted to get, Tim was trying to get us to find them powders or something, right? Or... Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. He was trying to get you guys to kill that Blair girl because he said she looked like a buoy. What? <laughs> what? What does that mean? Do you remember? Well, dude, she was very, very rotund in the middle area. Oh my god! Oh, like okay. And then you had your buddy Canadian <laughs> Steve would come down and show you guys funny videos all the time. Oh. Yeah. See, no one wants to remember. I got no. I literally have no. Rem- I have no. I have no memory of anything you just said. I will tell all of you not on camera. Great. Sounds good. I, I know all sorts of stuff about Canadian Steve, Mike. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Thanks, Vic. I remember Who's that. Canadian stuff. Steve? The general, the general listening audience doesn't care about Canadian Steve. Yeah, I mean, who's who's Canadian Steve? Steve? Like you brought it up. Who is this guy? Oh boy. I used some there. weird. I think it was just one of the weird dorm people. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I made a reference to BK Tony the other day, and Vic, I think, is the only one who got it. Oh yeah, loved it. But yeah, with all that gear, what 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 happened was those guys living in the dorm, they there was a living space like a living room, and then two side rooms off of that that were where the beds were. So I would just come in as like the drifter and just like be hanging out there, because all I was doing was just working an hourly job. I think I was working at, I think Old I was Navy. working Old Navy. Yep, I was there. I was like. I was next to next to Bill Page. I was like number two dude ever like worked at the mall. Like I worked at the mall for like seven years. Yeah, I used to come there and visit you all the time. We you get the food court and Yeah. Yeah. Bill Page was there. Matt Roberts worked at Abercrombie for a while. It was great. It's not fair. The Galleria Mall has like deep rooted history in Buffalo hardcore in the nineties. It does. Yeah. <laughs> right, Joe Garland would do that thing where he would spend the entire like 
over the oh. Christmas, right? He would Mall spend Madness. like Mall Madness. Yeah, he'd spend like open to close. Yeah, it was like a whole thing. People like come visit him, like while he was there. It was like a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, yeah, we, we would keep all the gear in that living area, and then yep. we would take moving oh, yeah. dollies, and we would use moving dollies to like move our amps from that living space into that lecture hall. Yeah. And we'd have to do like two, three trips. It was just a total disaster. Well, I, actually, the way I learned how to like really scream was that I had to plug the microphone into like the audio, like in the lecture hall. So like, you know, you got to imagine that people had like, you know, like Marshall half stacks, right? Or full, st and like, I had to figure out a way to scream over that because it was just like meant to be the volume of like, a professor like just doing a lecture for a class so like we would wheel all this stuff down and we would practice and we were loud as hell and so there would be random people like rolling in being like what's going on here remember we like almost got in a fight with like a whole fraternity there at one point yeah I dude that was like every you. week oh, yeah. <laughs> so what time of day were you guys practicing every week what time of day were you guys practicing oh is it night always what? okay i'd say i'd yeah. say probably seven or eight once all of us got out of our jobs and stuff yeah, and Sprig's not joking. I mean, if you, if you've ever been in the Ellicott lecture hall days, like so, we had to move our gear from one end of the complex all the way to the other, and um, everybody else was on like the third floor. But I had to take mine from the what was that seventh floor down the elevator, drum, you know, take a couple drums at a time back and forth. Back. Oh and God. Forth. Um, <laughs> you know. But like, every time we were, we were ready to for loadings for loadings every time. Yeah. That's why they needed yeah. a fifth member in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When, yo, when did Sprig officially join the band? Well, we had, it would it had to be it had to be after May of ninety five because we played that Algonquin Palooza show uh, at South Campus. That was May ninety five. Mm -hmm. Um I think that was our last show as a four piece. And okay. I'd say yes. that the, the first show back after that, Scott was on on guitar. Okay. So it was during that yeah. summer. That for me is when the when like I felt like we really took off, right? Like having two guitars and being able to work that stuff out, and just like loving Scott so much, like as a person, like it was just a, so awesome to like. It felt really like cohesive, and it felt like we were like really writing good stuff. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't even that for me. Yeah. Uh, the best part of having Scott in the band, I mean, we needed a second guitar player, and he was my buddy too, which made it good. But it was actually cool. Because Scott could like literally I could I didn't have to ask him to do anything. He just always instinctively knew, like, hey, I, I heard there's a show coming up. I'm gonna go ask if we could get on it. Hey, I okay. think we could, you know, someone from this record label might be interested. Hey, I, I, I could probably get us in to record here. It was like the only time like I, I pre and I don't mean any offense to anybody I've ever been in a band with since. The only time like I had someone that was like running everything and 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 you know, Scott taught me so much for as much as, you know, we let him in our band. It's like, dude, he, we couldn't have done anything that we did without him. So I shared about, that hustle. Yeah. So talk about like the, sure. talk about the first seven inch.
which which aspects of it like um like the label that it was on you want to you know about was that knowledge was that knowledge records yeah so okay. so knowledge records was started by our buddy dave cohen who went to ub with us he was another long island guy you could see like all of us who lived in the dorms you all have a, a downstate connection um but dave decided he wanted to do a label and um uh, we had uh brown actually maybe maybe book the studio time at Watchmen when Doug was still at his parents' house for us to record. And um, Dave's like, all right, just, you know, get that recording done. I'll, I'll, I'll send it out and, and we'll, we'll get it pressed. And um, we ripped off Despair because Despair did like seven songs for their demo, first seven inch, where three, you know, you had three unique songs on both, but one overlapped. So we, we took like Despair's uh, model and... Um, I'd, I'd say we finished recording in October. Uh, mm-hmm. It went right to uh, Erica Records. Within three weeks, we got back test presses. And then um, it was like another three weeks, the end of December, uh, when we got them. And uh, it was actually over break. And, and that's the thing. Like, we all went to UB. So we were literally here for like three months. And then all of us would go back to, you know, the New York City area. Um, so... We got the seven inches, but we didn't have covers. So I really thought I was artistic at one point in my life, which I'm clearly not. Um, you know, none of my friends had the heart to tell me I wasn't good at it. Um, but I took it upon myself anyway to, uh, you know, uh, put together a layout. And I, I brought it to the, uh, you know, where my father worked in Manhattan in the Time Life building. And after my dad left from work, he'd let me use all like the color copiers and stuff. And I print them, cut them, fold them. And I think the first show that we sold them at was uh, at Coney Island High with uh, Dead Guy, Snapcase, and Mouthpiece, um, which we almost didn't get to play because it was during a blizzard. And, um, you know, Scott, did you ride down with Snapcase for that show? I did. It was me. That was during the time. Yeah, and I was coming from like the the like the Newburgh area, and Keith and Ben were coming from the island, and it was, I was I'm on a bus. Made it. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. we made it. Okay, so for the next five minutes, everyone else but Jeffers talk about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with my point because the backstory for me is pretty interesting. So, I was this is during the days where I rode with Snapcase and. At this point, it's Christmas break, so everyone else is out of Buffalo since school's on break. So, perfect. I'll just ride up with Snapcase and, like, spend the weekend with them anyways. So, I bring my guitar and their band and stuff, and they're going to use their amp. Actually, I brought my head. So, we get caught in this period, and it goes from being, like, late to, like, us showing up as Union's playing. So, literally... Snapcase was so late, the show had already started. So literally, I'm like, I, we park, get out, and I hear them playing. I'm just like, this would be such a great show to play. <laughs> I can just get out the first person I see is Norm Arenas, who's from Texas's reason later on. He's like, dude, your band's on stage right now. I get out, I just put my head on stage, and I just see Vic, and he just gives me like the saddest look. Because there's just no time. So basically, my head is the only thing that made it on stage. I never got to play. They played the four piece. Do you guys? Oh, really? Do you guys remember the uh, the show when Joss the fourteen and 
Jamie was late and they just played without him. <laughs> I think it was an integrity show. He showed up for like the last song and they're like, hey, anybody who knows any words can just come up and sing. And they're just playing with no singer. <laughs> like, that's just what popped into my head, except, you know, it's guitar player. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was I remember being really sad for Scott. Like, that was like, that was a yeah. great, that was a, like, think about that bill, right? Like, yeah. In, in the city. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those venues I just wish I could have the ability to say that I played there. It's funny because one of my best friends, uh, he played this day forward. And we joked because he was on stage at CBGB's. So this day forward, I played at CBGB's with, with Brothers Keeper. Mike Ski got stabbed at CBGB's. As this day forward is about to play, so my best friend was on stage at CBGB's, but never got to play, and that's kind of how I felt about Coney Island High. Oh, wow! Mm. Wow! Look at the jerseys. <laughs> so okay, so we're still talking about that show. We're we gonna go to something else. What do you think? We can go on to something else, unless anybody else like we haven't heard Ben talk much, but we can move on to something else. <laughs> I've got a. I actually have a pretty bad. You have a pretty He's a Maybe bad a connection. connection. Oh. Yeah, he's texting me. Okay. So let's so okay, so that show is over. What was like the next like okay, the seven inch comes out. How do you guys get on I'm Ferret? enjoying? Like how does Ferret happen? Um all right, so actually Scott had booked time at Salad Days in Boston with with Brian McTurnan. And we went out there in april um it was like 25th 26th 27th and um with the intention of us recording all the new songs we've written since scott had joined the band um and uh i'm sorry i'm looking at the pictures i see jordan buckley right there his green jacket um <laughs> and then uh when we got to what was that show Scott had made all these like promotional cassettes um, and, and sent them out to people. Um, right, Scott, do you, do you want to take it from there? Yeah. So we did what every band does, just made a whole shitload of demos to shoot out to labels and just say, Hey, union Buffalo hardcore. And I remember shooting it to a bunch of labels, including Josh over at Trustkill and Josh is actually the one that handed it along to Carl over at Ferret, basically saying, hey, I got my hands full right now, but this might be something that you're looking to put out. You know, this might be something up your alley. So Carl checked it out, liked it, shot me a letter just saying, hey, Josh handed along the demo. I think it's great. I'm gonna be releasing the Converge record on CD within the next like three to four months. If you can hold out, I'd love to put out your next record. And talked it over with the guys, and obviously we were super excited. At that point, Ferret was just an up-and-coming label, and no one else was interested. I think that was actually the only one who was like, legitimately interested. So we're like, yeah, that would be great. And uh, Carl was a super cool dude, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, and, and coincidentally... Um those tapes that Scott had sent out, um, one of them like resurfaced and Dave Bushmeyer from, uh, 
you know, like spread the disease and the China white up in Ontario. He had a copy of it. He sent it to me in the mail, like probably like a year and a half ago. Like, holy shit. It was awesome. So, Scott, you must have gave one to, to, to Bushmeyer when you're up in southern Ontario, but uh, it made its way back to me. And it's it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. To to see how far, like, and how long these 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 tapes that you made, you know, can last. So let's let's talk about um, let's talk about big shows that Union played. Can I mention one more thing about that recording one? Yeah. yeah. So I don't even know if the other guys in the band know about this. Oh, Keith, getting some action there. <laughs> that was probably Titus. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So, so we basically paid through merch money to cover that recording. So, mm-hmm. it's crazy to think in hindsight that this was the beginning days of Salad Days, and Ryan was just getting up and coming. And we recorded that session for 150 bucks. Whoa. So Brian only asked for 150 bucks a day. So it was an eight-hour session, and I remember doing the first session and then taking a break for lunch, and then we went out to eat, came back to finish, and then I did my guitars. And this was my first time recording. And uh, the thing that Vic was great because, you know, I was a little nervous, and, you know, truth be told, you know, it took me longer than I expected to get the guitar parts done, uh, but we got it all done, and about three weeks Maybe four weeks later, I get a call from Brian saying, hey, I went to cash your check, and it bounced. So, once again, at this point, I'm just like one kid working at Old Navy, and all I care about is hardcore and, like, skateboarding and hanging out with my friends. Rooster. And long story short, I had to resend a check and cover it up. But Brian, being the nicest guy... He was pissed, and I still to this day feel so horrible. Yeah, I get teased if I ever see him. So that's the back <laughs> and the recording. Why did you guys uh, pick Salad Days? Why did you pick? Why did you go all the way out there? <clears throat> did you that 108 recording had come out right before yep. we went there? And and I, I, love I love that record. I, that hadn't. I don't think that had been done yet or even released. But that being said, uh, the fact is only 150 bucks, and for what had been done there. I mean, he had done the Converge stuff, some other stuff, you know, his own band stuff. And then, Cast Iron yeah. Hike, he did their stuff. Exactly. Didn't he? Yeah. 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 So we had played some shows with Cast Iron Hike, kind of became like a buddy band with them. And 150 bucks couldn't go wrong. And, you know, I love Brian and thought that having Brian on it would help, you know, steer us in the right direction, which it really did. Yeah. Brian's an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, I got to say, I, I actually love the drum sound that I got on that recording. I, I still think it's one of the best drum sounds I ever got in the studio, considering I had, like, the worst drum kit ever. Um, and I had to learn that changing heads was something that you should do all the time then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the magic that he got out of, uh, you know, uh, just like a Mickey Mouse drum set. And, and it still sounds good 25 years later is awesome yeah he, he was great he had, he had a really legitimate recording setup i mean I, it was our first time all of us being in a real studio where i mean we multi-tracked and we were we had isolation i remember being like really excited to 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 bang that one out and i, and I remember scott you had a you had borrowed dressler's artisan remember that yep. 
Yeah, we tried to play that, but it was just way too bassy. It was, <laughs> it was like so thick. It's the heaviest guitar I've ever held in my entire life. Yeah, it was beautiful. Was like, it was, yeah, it's like, oh, this thing's beefy. It's going to sound super thick, but it was just like Your way SG was perfect, though, man. That SG you had was perfect. And I remember I remember we were listening to that Rage Against the Machine record, the, uh, Evil Empire. That was kind Evil of Empire. our – that was sort of like what we were going for, I think. Like we were really trying to get our, our bass no, and that, drums that, to be – That Evil Empire came out – like later than that, didn't it? No, that was no. That was our. 96. That was our. That was what we were. I remember we were listening to that record, and we were, that's what we wanted our drums to sound like. I remember that because I remember being like, they sounded really heavy. I remember being like, these drums sound fucking huge. And uh, uh, you guys you know, want? I, I'll take the word guitar player wise. You guys wanted the drum to sound like that. I would never take a Brad Wilk drum sound. You know, <laughs> I, I only listened to Biohazard at that point, dude. That was, <laughs> like I want to sound yeah. like Andy Schuler. That's it. How many times <laughs> at shows we'd get to a point in the song and Brown be like, "Yo, Mike, pick it up." Every time. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. Fact about fun fact, and and guys, you might remember this. I broke we when we were writing those songs to record it at Brian's. I broke my double bass drum pedal, and I because we were college kids and we were broke. I didn't have money to to buy a new one, so we recorded all those songs with with single bass drum. And then when we went back to Watchmen later on to record the two other songs, I had like a new double bass drum pedal by then. So, you know, the last two songs we recorded Watchmen are like double bass crazy, right? And I remember yeah. uh, Carl said to you, Scott, like, dude, did you guys get a different drummer? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's the same guy. He just he could afford his, his equipment now, but only on the last two songs. Mike Jefferson <laughs> loves a double bass. Yeah. You know, he's actually, it's funny that you say that because I've, I've heard more than one person say, does he know how to hit anything else on the drums besides the double bass? <laughs> Which pulls into gear talk was that I was always so stoked that the that Marshall amp that I had had made its way around the scene before it got to me and then made some rounds afterwards. So that head was sold to John Salemi from Lou from Sickerall, and that was the head that was played on Blood, Sweat, and New Pierce. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember that. that. Marshall GCM 800 100-watt head to Salemi for 200 bucks. What? Salemi sold it to Joe Luca in Copper for 300 bucks. <laughs> Joe Luca sold it to me 400 bucks. <laughs> And I remember Slemmy saying, don't buy it for $400. I only sold it to him for three. I was like, you bought it for two, and I know what it's worth. So, what did you sell it for? So I had that throughout Union and had that at the beginning of Buried Alive. Yeah. And sold that for money to buy my Mesa Boogie Dual Rectifier. And I sold that to Jordan Buckley from every time I die. So Jordan played that for the first few years of Every Time I Die, and uh, still has it. Don't you wish you still had it, though? <laughs> I do. I do. I did rebuy 50-watt version, so I do have a JCM 850-watt, which is actually oh. preferred. But it doesn't have the history to say sick of it all. It's right. yeah. Wait, though, but Vic, your crate head we bought from Salemi. That's, That's the best right. part. We paid like I bought my head from John Slummy for 150 yeah. bucks. 
No, it was 185, and we, me and Pete oh. and you had to come up with extra money because we, it was 185, like a really weird mm-hmm. number. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, <laughs> he, he he drilled holes in it so you could run the cables through, you know, yeah. a, a, yep. a special way. You well, know, that's why it was 185 instead of like 150. Yeah. It was. Five dollar holes. That head came from Joe Smith, the original yes. guitar player of Snapcase. Wow. Damn. History. The creator of the high pitch guitar tone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So Dalvin has uh, a head that was uh, Eddie Malone's that he used on the Fuel the Fire tape. Oh. That he like just plugs into for good luck every now and then. Oh, really? There you go. <laughs> crazy. That is crazy. Gear, gear was so interesting back then. You know, it's like you had to go to a shop. I remember what was the what was the place on Hurdle Top Shelf? Top Top Shelf Music. That's where I got my. That's where I got that Charvel, which was a which crazy belonged, weird guitar. It belonged to Oz Fox from Striper. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, dude. You guys know how much I love Striper. Not a, not none of the nine of you have a Striper autograph Bible. Autograph specifically. <laughs> I, do. I think my cousin does actually. I'm gonna ask him after this, but he might actually. Yeah, but does it say to my brother Mike? From Probably Rock not, because his name is Matt. Probably not. <laughs> for the for the five deep, like hard, like Buffalo hardcore fans listening to this podcast, if you had Mike Jeffers reference striper on your bingo board. Congratulations! <laughs> you get you get a free t- you get a free burrito. Hold on, there's a, there's, a, there's a few others. I will name them when they come up.
Mark Mark was talking about big shows. I just wanted like for me, there's three. There's with Sick of It All at Showplace, which for me was like that was just amazing. There were like I don't know 400 kids or something there. It was amazing. Was uh, definitely oversold. It was that show was just incredible. Like that just felt amazing. Um, I'm glad there's video of that on YouTube. Like that's great. Um, there's the hardcore formal, which we have to talk about definitely. at some point. And then there's the Buffalo Apocalypse takeover or whatever that was. It was like at Mercury. Yeah. Like those for me, like those are like the three shows. Like I love the Coney Island High show, but like bittersweet because of Scott not playing, like that was tough. But like for me, those were like the three shows that felt so like authentically Buffalo and the scene that was happening at that time. Like it was just great. You know, like that the hardcore form of the way they came together were like it was just like kind of like a half joke. And then, like, it was like, oh, Jesse was like, yeah, my parents would let us play in the basement. And then we were all like, people were like, yeah, I didn't go to my prom. I didn't go to any formals. We were like, let's get dressed up and, like, play in a sweaty basement. That show was great. That was cool. Do you remember Murphy picked us up in his, his, like, 68 Volkswagen bus and brought all all of our equipment there? And it it was ridiculous. Murphy. Murphy. That was Hourglass's last show, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. I really like that band. Well, this is a perfect segue. I was going to say it's it. That's a perfect segue because we liked Hourglass and, you know, became friends with them. But right around the time that I joined, there was like, you know, rumors that like the bands didn't like each other. So it was funny as adults to look back to think of this like little beef that was happening. And I remember just being at one of the shows at Showplace outside and then just all talked and everything was cool at that point became super close friends with matt and joel santetsky at that point and matt McGuire, who was their close friend and did oh, yeah. a daybreak with them i'm not sure if he was on the band at that point but yeah love hourglass love those dudes but it was just funny to think that there was like beef you know back then funny to look back at People yeah. would invent shit about how, like, you'd have beef with somebody. It's like, where did this come from? <laughs> well, it, look, I, I, I obviously, uh, I've been in Buffalo since I got here in 93, right? And um, you, there are definitely people who didn't like us. And I, I, I completely understand why. Um, we, we're here for a couple of months, then we're gone. We're back for a couple of months, and we're gone. You know, like, we really were very, very... Uh, we had healthy egos, to say the least. Um, plus, you know, I had my chain and everything, too, which clearly offends people here. Some of, <laughs> us, some of, some of <laughs> us had healthy egos, Mike. Some of okay. us did. Ben, I, I know some of your ex-girlfriends. I've heard about your healthy ego. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I, you're very funny, man. <laughs> I'm Irish, so I can't talk about that. So, And there goes any chance of a union reunion. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I mean, it, it, like, yeah, it's it really, the problem is, too, we, a lot of times we were older than some of the other bands, and, uh, it, it, you know, if we didn't grow up here, you didn't go to, I think Sprig made more people, like, realize we weren't douchebags, because he, he lived here, and, and he was hanging out with people that he knew, he's like, oh, these guys are okay, they're, they're not bad. You know, um, I was going to say the same thing, like Sprig joining the band, like all of a sudden people are like, oh, they're OK now because Sprig's. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. No, it's I would true. agree with that. 
Yeah, no, it definitely helped bridge that gap, if you will, because regardless, you know, having all those guys from out of town, you know, when you think about it in hindsight, it's absolutely insane. Like, hey, there's a band from Buffalo, but no one's from Buffalo. All these guys just go to school in Buffalo and then they go away. Yeah. You know, growing up in the Buffalo hardcore scene, like having seen so many bands come and go and stuff like that, I can totally see how people would, you know, you know, look at that band differently. Yeah. And, you know, I may bridge that gap a little bit, but, you know, it's just really playing more shows, just getting more out there. And, you know, really it was just that networking and talking with other bands. And then you became buddy bands with the local bands. And then everyone was just that same group. That was awesome. Probably doesn't help it, but like at the first show, I, one of the first shows I ever went to in Buffalo, Vogel and I almost got into a fist fight. Uh, yeah. Church and Nativity. <laughs> What's the story behind that? Yeah, what would you tell? Mike would probably have like exactly the right memory. My memory of it was uh, Against All Hope played and a couple other bands played. Somebody played, uh, somebody played like New Direction, right? Which is yeah. like, I mean, come on. Like, that's like my favorite Gorilla Biscuit song. So, like, I like jumped in, was like, dancing or whatever and scott and i must have bumped into each other and like we we sort of like whatever and i mike came in and was just like no 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 like nope whatever and then like i don't know that was it but like i vogel and i became like when we toured with those with those guys like i still i still every once in a while will message vogel like we're cool but like it's just weird when you show up at a place and you love a scene or you love a, a, a music and you go to these shows and you don't know anybody or you know one or two people and you don't know who's who or what's going on you're just like fuck i love that song i'm gonna go dance or whatever and somebody bumps into you and then it's like a thing so it's like it's weird being from the outside in even though you're in the same scene and so i totally get like like what scott was saying where like we're not from there we're sort of there, but we're not there. When we're not there, we're playing shows other places. And so I get that it's like, that it's weird, but I think as individuals, it was like people just decided they had some idea, but as you, like people would get to know us, it would be like, oh, like those guys are fine. Yeah, but I, I Chris, we've talked about this before. Um, how like Jeremy Maz guy put it best. He said, people in Buffalo always viewed Union as tourists. Like you yeah. guys are just, you come here, for you do your four years and then you get out you know they didn't expect you know anyone to stay around we stayed necessarily but yeah. it also it also didn't help that like i said in the beginning of the podcast that like you guys were like we're new york hardcore we're not buffalo hardcore in the very beginning because i know like, i personally was like well fuck you guys i never and said that. <laughs> i wouldn't say that <laughs> i wouldn't say that i was like fuck union necessarily but i didn't start to I guess in my limited scope, except Union, till Keith started working at Cowpoke, and I got to know him through that. That's on Mike and I, right? Like that's on Mike and I, because like yeah. Mike, like I grew up like I, like my entry point in the hardcore scene was like bands like Neglect and VOD, and like mm -hmm. they were like like Long Island and New York har hardcore bands, Chromags and shit. Like those are the bands I was going to see when I was growing up on Long Island. And Mike's like same deal. Like Mike. Like we were in that kind of bubble. Like I never heard a Snapcase until I moved to Buffalo. Like I ne literally never heard a Snapcase, Zero Tolerance, like Fade Away, like any of those bands. Now I love all those bands. Like once I got introduced to those bands, I love those bands. But that's not where I came from, right? So like, it's weird. You don't identify with a scene, even though it's the same music and it's the same general thing. But like 
that's one thing when you start playing other places or if you go to shows in other places, like every place has its vibe. Every place has its, has its hierarchy. Every place has like the people you got to kiss the ring. Like it's all, the, it's like every place has that shit. Speaking plus, of course, I never thought I'd be here after I finished college. I just figured I'd come here, go to school and, and then leave. But then you saw the huge void of drummers and was like, you know what? I found my home. <laughs> Yeah. They need me. <laughs> yeah. I, I could play in every band forever. I, I actually, I was going to move to Albany in like 2000 because uh, I, I was going to take a job with the State Board of Education. And uh, I actually went out and like, like looked at apartments and stuff like that. And um, I, I, believe it or not, it was like Dave Steele and Steve Maynard, Nate Black from Abnegation, who like talked me out of, you know, taking the job and staying here. And they're like, Dude, just keep Dead to the World going. We'll drive from Erie like every weekend to keep doing the band. I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, that'll be fun. You know, great decision. Great decision. You know? Yeah. It's just funny that Dave, that Dave Steele is to blame for you being a Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, Dave Steele's the greatest guy ever. You know, he all is. those navigation guys, you know, I'm, I'm still tight with every one of them, but uh, man, they, they could talk to, they could, uh, there's some trouble now. Is he in Philly now? Who? Oh, Steely's in California. Yeah, yeah he's California. in California. I lived with him when he was in Philly for a little bit. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to get on his bad side because he takes pranks to a whole other level that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do that's, that's for another, that's for another <laughs> okay. time. We're going we're gonna to put a pin in that. We're going to visit that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, last thing I'll say about the old It's funny you mentioned that ring because that reminded me. Chris Ring, who's you know ultimately one of my best friends in the entire world, we became friends around this time as well. And I was so excited after we recorded to play like the new songs for people. And his response was, "Yeah, I like the old stuff better before you join." <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like, like Vic, what was one of your favorite shows when when you were in the band? Like, I like hearing this stuff, you know? I don't think we've ever, th like, talked about it. I was thinking my favorite I, – I, I remember we played a show with Brothers Keeper and um, Despair <laughs> in, in – I want to say it was Rhode Island, and you slept, you fell asleep and we couldn't find you. Oh, I didn't uh, fall asleep. I was hammered and passed out. And inside oh. <laughs> I, the show was awesome. I mean, I remember, I remember, like, that was a really good night. Uh, I think Tape Reed played too. Yep. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we were kind of doing like a tour with those guys. And I just remember like like that was when me and Scott, especially, like we were just gelling really well. Like I felt like we, we were playing everything really in good sync. And Benny was an incredible musician too, by the way. Uh, I don't know if it's been said, but fantastic musician. And, you know, Thanks, playing man. bass in a hardcore band, you know, he didn't really get to show that off. But I always felt really confident with Benny and like with you, Mike. So, that tour was really fun, but that show, I just remember feeling really good about what we were doing. And then, of course, trying to find Mike later because he was <laughs> out somewhere. Where, we, where were you? All right, so where we played the show, downstairs was, downstairs was the club, you know, where the hardcore show was. And upstairs was like a rave. It was and loud. We got, we got done playing, and I'm like, I was like a single dude. I'm like, I want to go look for girls. You know, so I, oh, I went man. upstairs and like, you know, I, I just kept drinking and, and, and talking to girls. Next, you were tired too. It was like it was like four in the morning, and I'm like sleeping on a couch, and the whole club is like 
the lights are off, nobody's there. We couldn't find you, dude. Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, no, Northampton, Massachusetts. That's what it was. Looking for me for for a couple of hours. I remember EMS was like, "Mike, what the hell are you doing?" Yeah. You know, he was a little peeved. But I, I I don't know. Was that the show where uh uh Ski was spinning around in circles and he got dizzy? Doctor, tell you what. He's like, where, where the fuck am I? Like, well, where am I? That's it. That's your. <laughs> Benny, I remember you put your ass up when that. We were dying. That was so fun, man. You know, I, I, I mean, I remember when we Middletown, New Jersey. The, the show was great, oh. you know. Um, but Brown I tried to beat the, me up. You took one of the continuum posters and and. Made an addendum to what Mike was holding in his hand, and he got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Legit, no memory of this, but I'm sure it happened. Oh, is that? You know, um, listen. There was listen. There was the one where Ben and I were were hanging out, uh, drinking in the van, and there was a riot. That was a uh, Haybreed, Candiria, Earth Crisis, Marauder, us, and someone else in. Bristol, um, Connecticut, like where yeah. well, from. Actually, we were all actually. I was in the van with you too. Rick Healy was standing right outside the van. That's we, right. Oh my god! We were god. drinking Crazy Horse, and the gun went off. <laughs> the gun went off, and there was gun a gunshot off. right outside of our van. Um, that it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't the CT bike exchange, but it was a place that had like the indoor playground. I actually have the flyer on my phone, so I can't pull it up because I'm on the phone doing this thing now but uh yeah that show was awesome uh, show ben, was ben, what, i want to see what ben thought which show was was the best i do i, I actually do one. remember that one when the gunshot went off uh, uh, that's one thing i do remember um <laughs> uh as far as um what, like i think probably my favorite show probably not one of the best ones that we played was when we played with vod because at that time they were like my they were like my yeah. favorite band in the world you know Me too. and we played with them and then they came back to the dorms and we partied with them. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, how did this happen? You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, for me, that was, like, a good moment in time, you know? And, I mean, yeah. I loved hanging out with you guys and all the shows. It was just, for me, it was, like, I really enjoyed playing with you guys. And, you know, th there were some highs and some lows when it comes to, like, how we played and stuff. But all in all, it was, it's, like, just really good memories, you know? Um, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything, really. You know, and the thing is, like... um when we started playing, I used to write down every show we played and who we played with. And I, I probably did it from, from 94 till maybe the end of 96. And um, when you started, I, you know, I was talking like we played at Middlesex community college uh, when we were out with uh, cast iron hike. Um, yeah. And uh, Converge played the show too, but I didn't realize chokehold had played too. And me and Logan were talking yeah. about that last week. Um, like, man, I didn't even realize it. Like, I didn't even realize it either. You know, like there were so many shows we played that I, I just, I remember some of the people, but I didn't remember every single one, you know, um, uh, Keith and, 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 um, Vic, when we played as a three piece that one time in Middletown, New York, uh, oh, we played, there's we played video with, of that. We played, video of that. we played with Marauder, uh, Haybreed, like end of one, which is like Jesse from all out wars band and like drowning room. Um, you know, but, and that's where we got, uh, all those sweet picks for the, uh, indignation tape. Um, 
you know, probably should have named it something different because I, I still can't say the word correctly to this day. Um, <laughs> yeah, why would and, you call it indignation? Where that come from? I don't. I actually don't think that's even a word to tell no, you. Indig- no, yeah, if someone's <laughs> indignant, it's definitely comes from. But oh, okay, thanks. When man. I first made the tape, <laughs> I, I spelled it. Indigo Girl Nation, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well. <laughs> That's what it said at first, but I got sued, so I had to change it to indicate. Those are to find. You yeah. know. Listen, it's, I think we should just field questions from the NTS folks now. There you go. <laughs> I, I thought this we're, was we're, we're officially going off the rails. Like, <laughs> I don't care. You could. This is like a Reddit <laughs> AMA. Like, no. ask us anything. Let's get back on the rails here. So, Vic, why did you leave the band? Why did I leave the band? Yeah. Um, we had a little falling out, and uh. It was kind of like a weird thing that happened. I don't even remember the details of it, to be honest. I just remember I wasn't feeling it anymore. Scott and I had a little fight about something, and we weren't. We just were being kind of young and stupid. And I know, like, Nucci was around a lot, so like, it felt like he was just kind of gonna be in the band at some point. Or him and I were doing a band too. He was in a band with me called Gray in Between, um, which I don't even. I can't remember the history. It like, after. it's like a little fuzzy. It yeah, it was after. after. It was and after. there was Voice Killer. Yeah. We <laughs> so did a like, couple had, bands together. Yeah. And I know, like, around that time, I felt like I'd kind of run my course. Like, I was ready to just focus a little more on other things musically. I was getting a little bored of just playing hard, like, straight up hardcore. Um, I wanted to sing and play guitar more. So, at least selfish reasons, whatever. But, um, but yeah, like, looking back on it, I mean, I, I would have been nice to have ended it on better terms with me, but... That's kind of what's nice about this. I feel like we can kind of come back and sort of and, – and me and Scott get, reconnecting in California was great because it felt like we left off – we picked up where we left off when we were tight. Um, like, you know, it felt like we were kind of back where we should have been, you know, kind of more grown up and realistic. And now we're both dads, so it's like we're totally grown up, right? <laughs> so, yeah. but, um, you know, it's amazing to think. But, yeah, like at the time it was just like silly – silly shit that really could have just been like you know fixed if we were growing up enough both of us were kind of immature i know i was very immature and you know looking back on it i mean it's hard to even look back at yourself when you're in your 20s and be like what did i do you know, like i mean we all we're all you know we all know that you know we're all grown up people now but so yeah that was around the time that i quit and then they just picked it up with nucci so well, I had been going to every practice because I I was living in the dorms at UB. Oh yeah, you were there, and, yeah. and you would all practice there, and I would walk down with my friends, and I I was already a, a fan of the band to begin with, so I would walk down, and all of a sudden my favorite band is playing in the dorms, so right. I'd go in and just sit down and yeah. <laughs> just listen. So uh, from there, you know, it just kind of happened organically. But um, yeah, like you and I were hanging out before that. I mean, me and, me and Rob became good friends like that year. And I remember I, you saying to me at one point, Vic, after I joined the band, because I felt a little weird because like I was essentially taking your spot. And you said to me and you're like, it's going to be anybody. I'm glad it's you. And you like yeah. gave me that, that high five like this. And yeah, felt, yeah. I, I felt good. Yeah, it was totally awesome. Yeah, Rob, Rob, you were my wingman. That's what helped get you in the band. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Couldn't, and that I helped get you married too. That's right. I couldn't bring Titus out to bars with me. It wasn't working, so I bring Bob with me all the time. <laughs> Titus, right? Titus yeah, in hey, a Bob. bar. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bob, do you remember? Do you remember Goose Flesh? Yeah, you got me really drunk in this bar, and I was trying to read what this poster said for an hour and a half. 
But yeah, you were you were hanging out with me all the time. You'd show up in my apartment with uh with uh not Phil, Alan. Oh, oh yeah, the, Alan. The, the, the guys from uh from No Field Way Pro. Out. And this is when I was oh, living with, with, with Keith's Field wife Pro. over on Elmwood when we lived there. Mark was bringing up No Way Out uh, a couple podcasts ago. That when, made me laugh. When, what time frame was No Way Out? I forgot. That was before, before, before yeah. Bob was in Union. Before he joined Union. Yeah. And when was Voice Killer? After, After Union broke up. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's funny to hear Vic talk now to hear that he thought we might be messing around with Rob. And then we ended up parting ways. And now we get Rob in the band. It's like that relationship where girl thinks that you're trying to bang her best friend you break up <laughs> and then you do yeah. slide right in <laughs> but on a serious note i mean i said this once before but hey i'll say to everyone once again this was my first band that i ever played in so for me you know i have a affection of union looking back on it because you with everything in life you get better when you're doing it with people who already are good at something. So for me to come in with no experience, this being my first band, I learned so much from Vic, on songwriting, guitar playing as a whole, um, especially with Ben as well. I remember having some song ideas and presenting them and you know some of the chord progressions, they were just like two major key. And you know to say, hey, let's go ahead and break this up. Let's do it diminished here. You know, So that was like really educational to myself as well and help me in my path as a guitar player to just become better and better as I continue to play with better musicians. You know, even in bands that I had done in the future, it was every time just one step up trying to be better, trying to be better, you know, comfortable with where I'm at now. But in hindsight, I wasn't that great of a guitar player. So you guys were bringing me on, but you know, I just continued to practice and it was just so worthwhile. Yeah, but you, you, you can you contributed on so many levels, though. It's not like your guitar yeah. playing. Um, you know, it, it, to be in a band, anybody, I can, I played in bands with people who are the best guitar players and they can't write a song or I can't stand hanging out with them. You were like the, t the total package. You, you know, I could go skating with you. I could, you know, talk about like uh, Sam I Am all the time. You yeah. know, you, you play in the band. You can, hey, Scott, like, yo, can you, can you help take care of this problem? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, don't sell yourself short and just, just look at the guitar playing. Like all of us obviously have gotten better over the years. Like I still feel guilty sometimes though, because we, we had Ben play bass because he is a great guitar player. You know, yeah. I remember I, I, st I never knew how to play the bass. I, I wanted to talk about that. It's like, you guys are like, Ben's going to play the bass. I'm like, I don't know how to play the bass guys. And you're like, that's okay. <laughs> it was like, that, it's not a prerequisite to know how to play the bass, to play bass in union. Like, like, all right. Here we go. But, uh, after like a year or two, I, I kind of figured it out, you know, and, and then the band broke out, broke out. But, you know. Were you yes, a but, guitar player beforehand? Yeah. I was the guitar player, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, uh, in Chains of My Brains, he played second guitar. Yeah, I played <laughs> rhythm on that one. But Ben, but, you did play but, guitar on one of the records, though. You remember there that? There we go. Yeah. yeah. Played the band. Uh, solo. The Bad Religion solo. solo. Yeah. And then yeah. I had to learn okay. it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You did. You gotta find it. <laughs> on, on which uh, one? In Endless Pursuit, I think. I want to say at the end of that. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's get to that. Let's get to that. 
All right. Also, wait, are you going to call this episode Union Talks About Their Feelings? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Union <laughs> Intervention. I mean, the first song I ever the first song I ever wrote was Red with Revenge, you know, and when I look back on that, because prior to this meeting, I was like, okay, I should probably listen to those old songs. I have listened to it in so long. And fun fact, after the CD came out, I gave one to my dad, super stoked. Years later, I go to visit my dad, still in the shrink wrap. He's never opened it. <laughs> <laughs> you think he'd at least open it and look at the pictures or something? Never yeah. even opened it. That's my, probably my, worth like eight bucks. Totally. <laughs> I, yeah. My, my yeah. sister-in-law sold all the, um, all the CDs and seven inches I ever did that I gave to my older brother. She sold them at a yard sale like a couple of years ago. Wow. She's like, your brother doesn't listen to them. I'm like, he wasn't supposed to. He was just supposed to have them. <laughs> so. so, yeah, when I went back and re-listened to those songs, I mean, I mean, truth be told, it's it's slightly hard to listen to some of those songs. I mean, in a respectable way, like, I think that we all became better musicians later on. And I think some of us. You know, like, eh, kind of hard. If we were to play a show again, like, we definitely wouldn't play the song. We definitely wouldn't play this song. But we would play this one. Um, you know, I was just, it was interesting to look back, like, my first, you know, riffs that I ever came up with and Vic helping me mold some of those and vice versa for me to have input on stuff, keep putting stuff in. So that was a great time for me to collaborate. But, oh, my gosh, if I never heard the song Bleed again, I would be... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, each each release was exponentially better than the one before it. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, like it definitely was. Like there was definitely a progression and growth there that was noticeable from a release to release. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody else wants to comment on that. I, I uh, we hit, we hit something on that last seven inch. Yeah, those there was two. My songs. introduction to the band was the last seven inch. And then I tried to go backwards, and I was just like, uh, yeah. I remember, yeah. like, I really liked the last and seven inch, is. and and hated the shirt. Not a slight. I just agree that the last record's the best. <laughs> I was like bummed because I was like, oh, I actually want to. I used to love playing that that song, the first song on the seven inch, the one that because I, I wrote that one that the din and 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 that because that was when we we listened to the, that one oh eight record was kind of like. Yep. Big, you know, that was a big influence. And the, and the second song was the one where Scott and I kind of did, 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 did Dr. Feelgood kind of riff, you know? Yep. I remember well, that, yep. those two songs, those two songs I felt like were a big progression for us. And then Mike recently sent, Mike, you just recently sent us a whole bunch of stuff that yeah, we, were stuff we were writing. And like Nucci was on it and I'm on it. And it's like, and yeah. some of that stuff was really cool. It was fascinating. It I was like, wow, we were. We were evolving. Like I, I think we, we all got better as musicians as, as the band went on. But I, I, I don't think that we necessarily I, I think we stopped sounding like where we were from and started sounding more like where we were living by the time the band mm -hmm. broke up. You and what we were listening to. Yeah. Yes. Like remember like we like I remember like Tool, like Anima came out when we were like and I remember, like, especially Sprig and I, like, we used to like geek out on that fucking record. Like, we were like, "What is happening in this record?" And we were just like, you know, and like, I think we always had like varied like musical tastes, you know, and and brought that to the table. And like, it did feel like in like sort of an evolution that seven inch, where like it was rock, it was like 
hard, but it was like, it had a pace to it. And it was like quick, like get in, get out. Like that whole, like those four songs are what, like under 10 minutes or something. Like it's crazy. Yeah, definitely under 10. Brown, you're forgetting about, you're forgetting about the most important part of that seven inch, the megaphone effect. The megaphone effect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens when you let Ben and I go retor- record vocals with nobody else there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly what happens. And we like listen to like nothing but like Jizza liquid swords like on the drive to the studio. Oh, and we oh, ate Mighty boy. Taco for three meals that day and we just recorded oh, vocals. Just Ben and I. Don't there. don't yeah. blame Mighty Taco. Don't blame Mighty Taco. I would never blame Mighty Taco. <laughs> anyway, Chris. Chris was saying something before. What were you saying about the that last re- release? I admit, I missed that. Oh, I was just saying that, like, I remember really liking that last release and being like, oh, man, I, I would actually wear a Union shirt now. And the only shirt you guys had was the one with the freaking doll on it. And I was like, I can't wear that. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> what what do you got a problem with dolls, though? Which that I, was, you know, it was just where I was at that time. Yeah. I found that artwork. I got a comic book when we were on tour with this in Connecticut right yeah so we were on tour I got this comic book it's like this art is a great is amazing literally just stole the pictures directly from the comic book <laughs> straight up it just and I think that like shortly after that that second corn record came out with the doll on it and I was just like I can't do this. Mike Jeffers <laughs> I just said this to you yesterday <laughs> oh wow <clears throat> You did, but like I said, it was stolen artwork. That, you know, from that that comic book is the Voodoo doll. Scott picked it up in Connecticut. We also picked up a framed Guns and Roses poster with a, a gold frame that's still down in my practice space, um, <laughs> in memory of you guys, because we all we all loved uh, Mr. Brownstone. So, you know, <laughs> another fun fact about that seven-inch art: so the actual covers were printed for the size that would be a slip sleeve and it was printed to just be a single fold inside a plastic sleeve mm-hmm. so therefore ferret had to cut every mm-hmm. single that's cover right. by like a quarter inch so that it would fit into a plastic bag <laughs> and that's why it also sticks out over the top of the plastic bag by like a quarter inch i've never seen a copy of that record where the cover the top of the cover isn't hammered yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. always bent. Poor Carl, man. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Oh, he's Matt, fine. <laughs> he's okay. Designed that one, and I remember doing an all-nighter with Dente when we designed the CD, and being super stoked. And he had just designed the Despair and Slugfest releases on initial. Yeah, Pattern Life, right? So he, he did, did awesome work. Yeah. As we bleed. Oh, as we bleed. That's right. So as we're doing the tray insert. He's figuring out the picture and centering it. And I'm like, well, you have to account for the bar on the side. And he just stops blank. He's just like, oh, shit. I totally forgot to do that on the despair record. So (laughs) the despair record had been finalized, sent to printers at that point. So now when you look at an actual CD, if you're looking at an As We Bleed CD, when you pick up the photo or the CD, I was that photo, photo, it's off-center because he didn't think about that.
already NCS folks. What other questions you got? <laughs> you know, I just want to answer questions. Uh, all right. Well, Jeffers already made you guys talk about what your favorite shows were. That's usually one of ours. Um, uh, individually, who is your favorite band to play and or tour with? Ooh, let's start with Ben. BOD, right? No, I, I mean, I think that tour we did with Despair, like, it was just like hanging out with Dente and Fligger and those guys. Oh, yeah. That, that was it for me, man. It was so much fun. How far did that tour go? I don't remember, really. I mean, I, I know we stayed at, in, in Rhode Island one night, right? So we oh, were in Chicago, here. in Indianapolis, yeah. Midwest, right? Yeah. New York. We almost died in Chicago. Uh, I remember Indianapolis, it was like, it was so cold. It was like negative something degrees, and we were all like holed up in that brown van with the boarded up windows. And I was like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. I was having I a lot of we had, I remember we had no food, and like some girl, like at that Krishna temple we played at in Chicago, gave us like a box of apples and that's what we ate for like days. <laughs> like days. Like we were we were freezing to death just eating apples. Like, uh, I was a lot of fun though. I would also I would also amen like I love the dudes in despair so much. Like they were like I feel like they were just some of my favorite people uh yeah. overall. And then there were people from other places like I remember like the guys from Coalesce were like super nice. Like I remember like being like getting along really great with them. The guys from Converge, like sort of, but I didn't. We didn't like hang out with them as much. Um, and then like Cast Iron Hike, Four Fifty Four, Big Big Block. Yeah, Big Block for sure. Those guys were those guys were so great to hang out. Yeah, with. I was gonna say Cast Iron Hike were my. I, I stayed good friends with those guys after Union. Like I kept in touch. I'm still still friends with Jacob and and Chris. Um, and honestly, like the whole, I think when we what, what you guys were saying about the spare because we did. We did some shows with them, and I remember we did like, didn't we do some shows with? Um, I want to say like Guilt. We played with Guilt a couple times. Yeah, and they were yeah. really nice. I, I remember being like really impressed by how they were the nicest. Like they were just down to earth. Like Duncan was a really nice guy. I remember. I remember being a little intimidated by him because he was like kind of a bigger deal guy, and uh, he was really friendly. So, yeah, that would be Guilt would be like one of my favorites for sure. That was fun because that was also when Matt Weeder was playing guitar for a while. Oh, yeah. And we knew Matt. Who I went to high school with. Yeah, yeah Mike was good friends with Matt. Yeah. yeah. Although I, he, he, he said he, he told me recently he always thought I was a Guido. You are a Guido. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You are, I mean, come on. What do you mean? I mean, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of the great Gindaloon, remember? Great Gindaloon. <laughs> did, did you expect us to push back on that? I, I guess I guess not. <laughs> you know, we've had this He's conversation many times, like many times. So, like, come on, there's a chain <laughs> around your neck right now. Come on, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I have pictures of you with slick back hair in like a tank top with a chain. <laughs> yeah, like come on, they're on the internet. Like you can find them. Like people can Google yeah. it. Yeah. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> So, go ahead, head. Scott. Like I'm moderating now. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> and now, I was just going to follow up on on the touring stuff and echo exactly what 
what I think most of us would say is that, you know, we really owed a lot to despair for taking us out and, you know, Scott and Matt for just really sticking us out for us. I can never say enough about all they did for us as a band. So that was really great. Yeah. That tour that we did with them, I just realized that with Joe Orlando being our roadie on that tour, it was fun because that at the same time was when Matt Roberts was playing in his stint in despair. So that it's is true. I didn't, I never realized that all five right. of the guys who ended up doing, you know, buried alive later on were all on that tour, but really it's just having Joe Orlando with us, like not knowing what he was getting himself into in that death van oh and going God. out and just. Joe Yo, man. I love Joe Yo. Such a cool and dude. So this is like the segue to say that after Vic left, there was a short period where Ben was going to play guitar, and we had Joe Orlando playing bass. That's right. Yeah, I wasn't good enough to do Vic's uh, leads and stuff, man. No, uh, Joe didn't want to do it. Joe was out. <laughs> you would have been good enough. Yeah, I think it was that Jeez. Hourglass Union beef. He just couldn't get over it. <laughs> Fun fact. Joe Orlando, manufactured beef. Joe, Joe Orlando and I were in a band called The Schematics with Nico Georgiatos. And, and Glenn, uh, Glenn, Glenn Lasky. Really? There's some yep. Buffalo hardcore heritage that's not hardcore at all. That's but we were kind of. <laughs> when was that? I mean, not to be a dick, but some would, some would debate would debate the hardcore heritage of a couple of those people you named. But, you know, I'm the dude. Nico? It's been yeah. a long time, like, and I've been told I don't talk enough shit, so I'm just sprinkling a little powder on you. <laughs> I know. I kind of <laughs> miss the shit talking, Chris. You know, I'm trying to be like a grown ass man, a grown ass man. And I'm also trying to make the podcast accessible to people instead of like right. ruining it for everyone. So I tone it down, but I go into other people's podcasts and talk that shit. Well, Joe Orlando is an incredible musician. <laughs> Joe, Joe is a really great musician. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, don't, I, I love yeah. him. And I don't know yeah. what he's doing these days, but he's a fantastic musician. Yeah. He's got a, a uh, came together and buried alive. Like, I love that buried alive shit so much. Hey, who's that guy? <laughs> oh, Fun fact, a lot of people don't know ah, this. Look at that. Nico was supposed to start despair. I never seen these pictures. Oh, my God. Really? Wait, what, Scott? Nico was originally going to be a guitar player in Despair when it was just like a talking thing, when they were talking about starting a band with Vogel. Like they were talking about having Nico was going to be on guitar. So the band <laughs> in Despair was the band that initially was brought up in conversation with Nico. And what happened with that? Uh, it just never came to fruition. I think this was right around the time the single block stuff was happening. So it was just kind of that time period. So I don't know if it was just Nico getting out of the hardcore scene yeah. itself, but yeah, it just never came yeah. to fruition. Just, just gonna say hashtag Cinderblock twenty twenty one. Hashtag Cinderblocker. Every band we talked to, now. every band we've talked to is reuniting for NCS Fest twenty twenty three. So yeah, get oh. ready for it. Yeah, get ready. Get ready for get the ready. oldest mosh. Three guitar ever. attack. Union three guitar <laughs> I'm attack. Gonna I'm gonna straight up say that's the only way I'll do a union reunion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got all the big names, man. Yeah, you guys are throwing <laughs> softball questions up. Come on. So why did the band break up? Ah, oh, there we go. Band. Well, I guess I'll take this. I think I was probably the impetus to this. So, you know, it, there was a 
it was I feel like there was a sort of a turning point where either this was going to be like a uh, a real thing like that where this was what like we were going to do. We had a we had a European tour sort of like in the planning stages or booked. I don't know, Mike probably remember, but like it came to like sort of a point where it was like Ben had just graduated. I was about to graduate from from college. Like I, I'm going to just speak for myself. Like I'd found work that felt really like meaningful for me where it felt like I was doing something that connected with me. And, um, it, I don't ha I like, I don't, I'm not the type of person where I like kind of half ass things. So either I was going to be like all in and I was just going to tour relentlessly and just do the band or I was going to have this other life. And so for me, it just came down to like, I was going to have this other life because I don't think I was really prepared to like spend my life on the road at that point. Because like to be a successful hardcore band, like you just have to play all the fucking time. And for me, like I couldn't picture myself being in like a, a bar hardcore band. That's not no disrespect. Like I, like I couldn't picture myself being in like a, we play once a month at this place and whatever, like I either wanted to like write and tour and record and like do the whole thing, or I wanted to have this like other life. And I chose like a like a career and like a relationship and kids and all that other stuff because like I give Mike all the credit in the world because Mike like just keeps the fire burning, right? Like Rob's done it, Scott's done it, like you guys have done it. I don't have that in me to like balance the two. I either need to be like all in one or all in the other. And that's just sort of where I ended up. And then just like real talk, like Ben was moving and like Ben's like, I mean, Ben stood up on my wedding. Like that's my dude, like Ben and not like, that's my heart, Ben Kampf, you know, like, and so if Ben were to not be able to do it, that felt like a real hole for me. And so I just was like it. And I, I just like, if we're talking about all our feelings, like there are a few things in my life that were as heartbreaking as like telling Mike, who's like my, like my brother from another mother that like I had to end this thing because it meant so much to him and still me. I mean, it's Mike Union Jeffers. Like it meant so much to him <laughs> that like it literally, it still breaks my heart to have to have that conversation with Mike to be like, I, don't, I can't do this and I'm not going to do this. Um, and I'm glad that we're like cool now, but like it was a lot of years of like real, hard feeling. So I guess that's my, so, I, I think I was really an impetus to it. Let me ask you this, Keith, talking about this, how you kind of had a mindset change, how much of, how much of an impact working at Cowpoke and working with those guys changed your kind of mentality as far as the band and hardcore went? It wasn't really that. It was like, at the same time I was like interning, like, and I, I sort of had shifted my degree and I was doing like, kind of community mental health, like public health stuff. And I had started like interning and working with people with HIV at the time. And so like, for me that like that work felt really important. And I was learning so much, like as like a white kid who grew up in the suburbs, like I was learning so much about the world in that, in that job, like in that stuff that like, that felt really important to me. And it just, uh, it just resonated with me in a different way. So when I say work, it wasn't really like the like I worked as a body piercer, like to pay the bills, like that was. Yeah, yeah, fine. No, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah. like that. You're like, oh, cowpoke, I'm going to change my life because of this. But I'm just saying the influence of them changing your mentality, where your 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 things that were important to you changed. Because like I noticed from being around you on the cowpoke thing, you went from hat over the eyes jersey guy 
to styled hair turtleneck guy over that that span of time. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a noticeable change going on with you. And and it's probably wrong of me to even suggest that Kyle Polk maybe had something to do with that, but there was a noticeable change going on with you at that time. Uh, the turtleneck thing's more offensive than anything. I blame Reed for that. Like, like also for the record, like I don't own a single turtleneck now for what it's for, for whatever that's worth. I know um, he's not a turtleneck guy. Um I personally like turtlenecks, and I wear them from time to time, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm, like, sh- like getting strangled or something. But um, I'm into I, that. Uh, I don't know. Like, this, that's probably, like, an interesting thing. I never really thought about that. But I do think that, like, I, I sort of, like, um, was exposed to a lot of different kind of people through that job and stuff. So, like, I think there's part of it with that. Um, so I don't know, man. I never really thought about it that way, but maybe it just coincides with the time period. Like at the same time I was working there, I was also an intern and finishing up my degree and all this other stuff. So I think it might have been some of that stuff thrown in the mix, but I don't know. It's not the Keith Brown podcast. But, um, <laughs> Is that the same kind of work you're doing now, Keith? Uh, ish. Like I do right now, I do. Uh, I'm, I serve as like a public health director for a county, the county I live in. So it's a lot of COVID right now. But uh, I did a lot of criminal justice reform work and drug policy work. And, um, yeah, so I think there's a lineage there that, like, that it sort of was my start on that path. I just learned a lot about the world that I just didn't fucking know about. And um, for me, like, I just felt really called to it to, to do what I can with whatever I can bring to the table to make a difference for people who uh, live really different lives than, than I have, you know? So... I don't know. Can we just joke and say that it was all the acoustic Oasis bootlegs that you, Ben, and I would listen to in your dorm? It's so much Morrissey. That's what it is. So much Morrissey. Oh, boy. Sprig, remember that Sarah McLaughlin CD me and you used to listen to all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Just two of them. I'm not lying. Scott's Sprig has hardcore credentials, but let me tell you something. Nobody listens to soft ass emotional music like Ben and I and Scott Sprig in a dorm room spinning some jams. Yeah. I want to go on record that I have nothing to do with that. That was that was really the, the wedge for me and Keith, I think. When, when our rooms were next to each other, when we were living in Jimmy the Puma's house, um, you were playing like the deaf tones, and I'm like, this new metal's garbage. <laughs> You know, and then you're like Oasis. I'd hear that all the time. Like, no, I can't take it anymore. And then I'm playing like Biohazard. I'm sure Keith is like, enough with the Biohazard. See, you I don't know it. why you spend five Oasis. minutes on Striper before, and you're gonna bust on Oasis. Listen, listen, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I don't yeah, know why you Alex, I don't really know you well, but thank you, and I love you. No, nah, no, nah, I'm with I'm with Jeffers on this one. Like, I don't know how we weren't friends sooner. I mean, I do. I blame the chain, but beyond that, I don't know how why we weren't friends sooner. <laughs> Listen, like I like I said, man. You know, I have a, I have a fantastic memory, and and I, you know, could tell stories all day. But um, I've been on the podcast before. You guys hang out with me. You know, I, there's too much good. There's one quick thing I want to say. I graduated before all the other guys, so I, I was out of school. And I remember Scott did an interview for a, a, a zine out of Minneapolis. And he was talking about, like, you know, we're all in college and stuff. But our drummer, Mike, he's lucky because he already graduated and he gets to work in a warehouse. And he was saying that, that like, it was cool. And I'm like, oh, man, 
<laughs> you had the flexibility to tour. That's what you had, though. Yeah, I think that's what like, he meant, right? I know. He meant he meant that as a Guido who was free to play on weekends. <laughs> but I was lucky because I was what making six. I was making six fifty an hour at the time, which was like big bucks back yeah, in nineteen ninety six. You know, yeah. and that free Bob Mackie cologne. Oh, you guys all benefited from my five finger discount. Man, <laughs> that cologne stank, dude. <laughs> I can still smell it right now, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Deftones. Ken, were you down with Deftones? Uh, Deftones? Was I down with them? Yeah. Uh, I remember driving in uh, Brown's car and listening to that really loud. You had that, that woofer in the back, that subwoofer. And uh, there was one of those albums where, it, you know, it would be kind of like melodic and then all of a sudden it would like kick into some really heavy stuff. I, I like that. Now, did you go to Deftones before they before they opened for Sick of It All in Buffalo or was that, that your introduction to Deftones? Who, me? All of you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I don't, I mean, these guys probably have a, a better... Um, Understanding they, all that they were just on MTV all the time, and I remember hearing them and just hating it instantly. Spring well, wasn't there like, wasn't there an overlap with Will Haven from that band? Yeah, I know they were really good friends, which I didn't yeah, like. Will Haven association. Also, I, and Chris, I think you're at Chris. Were you at the Tool Zero Tolerance show? There it is. No, I lived in <laughs> Illinois at the time, and oh, I'm man. so bummed that I missed it because of the ridiculousness of it. Okay. Because I got a, a few things that I've always been like really fortunate to see. That was one of them, and I, I'll never forget Bill Page and Turtle at that point. Like when they would always go up to people as soon as they got done. We're like, Tool gets done, and sure enough, there goes Bill Page right up and starts talking to Maynard. We're like, who's that crazy dude? <laughs> Just like on his back. Long story short, we all know what Tool becomes. Mm -hmm. uh, but a fun fact about Deftones was when I rode it with Snapcase. We played with them, or Snapcase and Donut played the basement of the DBA club in Salt Lake City. Upstairs that night, Bad Bains are playing. Who's supporting Bad Brains? Deftones. So Deftones are yeah. opening for Bad Brains on tour. So after our show is done, we go up, see them, get the three song promo tape, and we're listening in the car, and we're like, this sounds like Salemi music. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, Played it over and he would play it and just got into it. And it was great. But to me, the second album was where the Deftones like really took off. And yeah. that was an influence for me. And that's really what I think was the connection also with Rob. You know, we had a big influence between Deftones and Helmet. And I think you can yeah. really hear that on that last seven inch. You know, we hear yeah. some of those, some of those riffs and a little bit more powerful, a little bit more driving, not as metal per se. It's more like you said. Loud and heavy, not really Pace. for not a lot of single note picking stuff. So yeah. for me, so, that was what I was really going for. I'm trying to right, write so in that vein.
so Keith, when you quit, it really was like Union can either take off or this is it. Yes. Well, you really like it, you really were at a crossroads in that moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's you know still right, like right now. Like I I knew what was happening at the time. Like it felt like, and again, Mike has all the details, right? But like I'm just like the my memory of it was there was so much like interest and there was like so much drive behind the band it felt like there was like something was pushing us forward and it was either going to go in this direction where like i was going to commit we i we were going to commit like everything to it like or it just wasn't going to do anything and so like for me like i don't know it sounds weird and maybe this is another like weird relationship tie-in like scott's like side piece thing from before but like for me it felt unfair particularly to mike it felt unfair to be half in it and half out of it. And so like, it, it was really clear to me at the time that like I had to either do it or not do it. And so I chose to not do it. I'd still stand by it. Right. Like, obviously like, you know, like it could have been a thing. It could have not been a thing. You never know what it could have been. I felt like we had hit our stride with that seven inch where like we would have been writing and performing like really, really good shit. Like I felt you could just feel it. And like, you know, I killed it for myself. Like that's a selfish thing, but like I couldn't be there for it. And I even said to Mike, I feel like I remember saying to Mike, like you should still do this or whatever it is. And I remember Mike being like, union is you and me. It, like we built the thing and then we built it out from there. But like, and so I was, I don't know, man, it still breaks my heart to have to tell Mike that it was like, it was like telling your wife you want a divorce, man. Like it was like, it was fucking heartbreaking. But to your point, Chris, like it was either, it was good. It was either you were all in or I was all out and I couldn't just half-ass it. And that wouldn't be fair to anybody. So that was it. And, and like I said, Ben was moving. And I remember Ben saying to me, like, yo, you guys could find another bassist and me being like, yeah, I could find another bassist. But can't, I can't find another Ben. Like, you're my best friend. Like we're in this band together. Like, you, you know, like I just, that was it. Keith, you remember what the name of the album was going to be called? No, but I bet Mike, you and Mike do. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I remember proposing the idea to you. Uh, we were going to call it killing as an art form. Uh, that's what's up, dude. <laughs> that's great. That's hard. That's, that's hard <laughs> that's it now i remember we had a conversation about it because it was like tied to something Damn. but see that that's that's part of the thing with with us like when we moved here to go to college specifically um you know i didn't even bring my drums to buffalo when i first moved up here because i had no intentions to do anything but skating every day going to class doing my time and and moving back home and getting a job I, I, th I think with Ben and with Keith, you know, probably with Vic too, I, I, I don't think we saw beyond that at first. And when you come to the end of your run, like I graduated before everybody else first, and I was like, do, do I go now and, and just move back to New York and I'll, I'll get a job teaching there? Or do I ride this out for a little while? And I remember, Scott, you, you had told me, dude, you got to stay. This is like the greatest city ever. It's super cheap to live and, you know, just stay here, stay here. And I did, you know. But because I did, you know, I met my wife and then I had my anchor babies and I'm stuck here. But, <laughs> you know, um, 
It's like Buffalo was holding you hostage. Yeah, and I mean, when Union finally broke up, you know, it was, it, it was like, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm here now. You know, like, um, I don't know. Once once the wheels were going, like like Keith had said, you know, like uh, he did tell me, like, you know, even if Union's over, you just got to keep going and doing this stuff, and and that's what I've done continuously. And I think, you know, because me and Keith were so close. Um, when the basically I wasn't going to let anyone ever stop me from doing what I wanted to do with a band ever again. So you can, you can make jokes and I do too. Like Herod was around for 15 years. We probably had 78 members of the band, you know, and it was me and Jesse who started it. But like, we're, I'm like, we're just doing what we want. If people like it, that's cool. If they don't, they can go fuck themselves. Someone will always buy my record somewhere. I'm going to do it. Cause I want to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, like I, I understand definitely, uh, it, it definitely stung when the band was over, um, you know, because you know we were all so close, and then you know like Bob became like like a, a little brother to me also, which is why I kept trying to you know keep working with him, and why I would always try and get Vic back into a band that I was doing or start another with him, another one with him years later. You know, because I enjoy these guys, um, you know, but it, it, that was tough because I, I guess I understand, you know, Keith, what he says. It, it's like if we had committed to do something more and he couldn't, it really wasn't fair, not just to us, but maybe a record label. And that's like where I am now. Like, I won't put out anything on a record label if they're like, you know, we're going to spend X amount of dollars, you know, on vinyl and, and T-shirts, tapes and CDs if I can't go out and play all the time, if I'm just going to play weekend warrior, it's like, dude, just put out a CD and put it up online. I don't want to see anybody lose money. You know, like um, if I can't commit fully, you know, neither should the label, but all right. Sorry. That got really off the rails, but anyway, okay. no, it's, it's Scott, you're still, you're Scott still to say something too. Yeah. I was going to say something. I'm actually going to save it to the end, but I'll take this opportunity just to give Vic a shout out because you know, in hindsight, I feel bad that after that final seven came out, we didn't give him credit for writing and cut the strings because Vic. Yep. If it wasn't the whole, if it wasn't just the main, the whole song, at least the main riff, like he had that main riff in that song, and I just, I actually love playing that song because I was just so in love with 108, and as Vich mentioned earlier, like that song was definitely geared in that vein so hitting those squeals was just like me being a poor man's Victor Carl like just love playing and shout out to Rob when we recorded the uh, first song from that 7 inch uh, which is my favorite song that we ever had in Cafeteria Dream in the recording Rob actually hit the wrong note on the harmonic so when you hear that it's a beautiful accident because he hits the note and he's like, oh shit, we fucked up. And we're just like, dude, that sounds awesome. And shout out to Ben because I'm um, cut the strings like the half of the last, or the end of that song is just sick bass playing. That's he when I figured out how to play the bass. And then that <laughs> yeah, was the last. The last. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're done. <laughs> Bummer. So, ben, ben, megaphone during that part. Yeah, that's, exactly. that bass line is amazing. Yeah, it really is. And then, and then, um, the live versions of uh, us playing uh, "Cut the Strings" and stuff in New Jersey with Vic playing is—it's pretty awesome. And "Bleed" is amazing 
from that oh. show because we played it so much faster then than it when it so was awesome. initially yeah, recorded. That's the worst part ever. I don't ever want to hear it again. It's so horrible. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's horrible. I like that, and and the recording I was using Bob Williams from Brothers Keepers drum set, and this is back when he had like a uh, like a half inch thick piccolo that would you yeah. could hear seven states away. So <laughs> yeah. it just it it, it 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 sounds way more yeah. offensive than Lars Ulrich's snare on Saint Anger, but you know, man, that was awesome. Bob always had good gear, you know, and him him and like uh, Derek from One King Down were the ones who like really got me into being a gearhead, you know, with drums. You know, yeah. One and last thing, I just got to give Keith the shout out too. So I'm just kind of going around the horn, just kind of like boosting everyone's ego, but just wanted to say thanks and acknowledging everything that I enjoyed of playing with you guys in the band. Because even Keith's vocals on that last seven inch, you know, you're hearing more double tracking. None of that was happening beforehand. You know, the megaphone effect, like all those things, just kind of making it a little bit more dynamic. And Mike taking the next step on drums. So that was a great way to go out. I'm very happy that we at least got that last seven inch out. So how far along were you guys into the next record before Keith quit? Three songs, I think? Yeah, three or four songs. Yeah. Like, I think Mike sent us those. What is it, four songs? It's four four songs that we had written. Um, yeah, they're fucking they're good, cool. man. Like, you can tell, like, whatever we were listening to at the time, like, it, like, it definitely filters into that, you know? So it, 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 it sounds like um, with earlier stuff, you could tell what our influences were pretty obviously. And by that point, I think it, it sounded like its own thing where people would say, oh, it just sounded like Union at that point rather than picking out stuff. You know, um, it would have been cool to see where it went. Um, but I didn't even know I still had some of these tapes because we would record stuff on, on a tape, you know, um, that I had recorded 10,000 other things on. I just keep recording over it. So I pick up a tape and it says, it says like fat boys and I put it on and I'm like, <laughs> stick them. But it's not, it's like a union song, <laughs> you know? If you, had fat, if you had fat boys reference on your bingo board. That's right. <laughs> I like this bingo board thing. We may carry this forward. No, only if it's a Mike Jeffers bingo board. That's right. <laughs> also, the re- also the reference to the Renault got you a point. Yeah. On that Striper. That's right. Somebody, somebody said Alex Fox lives in Las Vegas. I think Joel did in the chat. Yeah, so. Joel, yeah. Yeah. Well, now so. listen. Spriggs buddy and my buddy Joel. <laughs> Joel loves Striper as much as I do. And he'll back me on that. Well, Alex Fox oh has like brain tumors and stuff now. Oh, no. Yeah. Treatment. And he's one of the sickest guitar players ever. He is sick. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> so bad. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, this man. has to be so. This like has to be so boring for Derek and Alex. So So are those songs done? Those three songs are they done, or are they just like practice recordings of them? We would play them live, and like I feel like I had like half lyrics to them. It's yeah. interesting. Mike said sent them a while ago and like I was listening to them and I was like oh wow like a little bit of it was starting to come back at least like the vocal cadence and so it just got my wheels turning but like I've been immersed in COVID stuff like I would love to sit down and actually just write even if nothing ever happens with it like I used to love the process of like one of these guys coming with a riff and 
You know what I mean? And like, just like figuring out something to it. Like I used to love the songwriting and recording process. Like I love that. NCS comp. NCS comp. NCS fest. We've been kind of throwing around the idea. Maybe we'll take this out of this. So anyone watching live can hear this. We're kind of throwing around the idea of doing uh, a comp record. Like later on. And, uh, and you guys talk about having these like union songs with no vocals. You ever put some vocals on them? Let us know, or give me a deadline, bro, and we'll we'll make it happen. We're still yeah. we're still in the talk phase. Like it just kind of sprang up because of the last logo, uh, and, and we'll we'll see what happens and where it goes. But it's right now it's just talk. The fast, I know. the comp, everything. Yeah, I know how to play the bass now too. Yeah, so it'll be the best. <laughs> Alex and Derek, man, you guys are quiet. What do you got going on? Yeah. You got, uh, there are ten anything? people in here, and I'm I'm just trying not to step it's on a lot. Everyone. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. That's why I'm a, I'm an inclusive guy. Like, do you have anything you want to ask or say? Uh, I just, you know, do you guys have any regrets as far as with the band? I mean, you guys didn't really get to a full length or anything like that. Oh, I've talked a lot. I'll leave it through. At the time, I probably had some regrets, but now, like, I, I probably look most fondly on Union because it was such a different level of fun because it was the first band that I did that committed the music, you know, to, to a medium, right? Where all the bands I did in high school, you know, we, we play Battle of the Bands and, and backyard parties and out in the middle of the woods, you know, like kind of stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who's been, they'll tell you that first band you ever do that releases something, it's just a special, like such a special thing, you know, like you get that first seven inch that, that you do and holy shit, you're so proud of that. I mean, you know, um, it, it's like a feeling, I mean, you get that feeling sort of with every band you do when you, you get a release, but like with you, that very first seven inch was a big deal. And then when we, when Ferris said they were going to do a CD for us, like a lot of people didn't have CDs then because it was too much money to do. It was like a big deal. And yeah, we got that CD and I was like, Jesus Christ, someone spent like $3,000 to make a CD for us. How fucking nuts is that? You yeah. know? And and also, I, I would say like, I don't know, me and Keith were just like on the same page and very protective of of the band and um, I, I know we bumped heads and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but it didn't fucking matter because I knew Keith was there to back me up. You know, I remember getting into a fight at like uh, Bourbon Street on, on Forest. And, uh, you know, Brown was right there after I bounced that guy's head oh, off the floor. Oh, right yeah. You know, I remember like, that. Wow. That was cool. Dude, you know, dude, Sprig, of- Sprig. Like went to beat the hell out of a kid at the show place because he made he made fun of the fact that my father was dying of cancer and Sprig like went to fucking kill him. I mean yeah. that's the kind of relationship we all had with each other, you know. And 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 you know I mean part of it's our age we don't realize like you know you kill someone you're going to jail your life's over at the time you're like whatever it'd be fun, you know. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean I, it's it sort of makes a lot of sense. I mean if you ask like if we have any regrets like you know. <laughs> Mike and I, and then we had Ben, you know, like you've got a couple of guys who have like Long Island or New York accents. And we're like, we're sort of a lot. Like we just had two hours of a podcast. Like we're sort of a lot, like we're, (laughs) you know? And so like, I think 
uh, it felt to me like over the last couple of years, especially after Scott joined the band, that like we formed relationships with people where I, I like I was surprised we didn't have them already with people. But then when you think about like how kind of hard we can come at people, it makes sense, right? It's like somebody talks shit about one of us and we're like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like that can be a little overwhelming, especially from guys who are not from an area where you're like, we literally didn't give a shit. Like if somebody talks shit about Mike, I was like, I'm going to kill that person. Like we were wild in that way, but we were just super protective of each other. Like we were family. And so like, like when you're in a band with somebody, a group of people, it's like being in a family, a marriage, a business, a relationship. It's like, I try to describe to people that like, you're smelling that person 24 hours a day in a van sleeping on top of fucking cabinets. Like it's, and so you, you either, or you have this mix of where like that person looks at you the wrong way. And you're like, I could rip that person's jugular out if they look at me one more time. But if somebody else says something about that person, you're like, I will go to the ends of the earth to see you die. Like it's that kind of like bond and when you take that and you drop it into another place where you're not from, I get where people are like, fuck those guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I totally get it a thousand percent. Like, in retrospect, it makes all the sense in the world. But, like, over the last couple of years, like, some of those guys from Snapcase, those guys from Hourglass, like, I never had beef with those guys in Hourglass, not one time. I never didn't like them. I never didn't. I love them. The first time I saw them play live, I was like, "This, these guys are fucking good. Like, I never had beef with them. People would manufacture shit that then you'd hear, like, and somebody would be like, oh, I heard you guys got beef with Hourglass. You're like, I don't have fucking beef with Hourglass. Well, uh, and it becomes a thing. But that that's that's the, the good story there. It was manufactured by someone to beef with us in Hourglass. And um, I remember going around... They, the rumor was that Hourglass had said that Union only got shows because Sprig booked the shows and put us on them, right? And um, then there was a, a rumor they were going to fight us. Uh, at, 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 they wanted to fight us at the Showplace show with uh, the, the Bloodlet Dead guy one uh, uh. with all our bands. And um, I remember Nate and, and Kevin and Dean from Big Block were like, dude, are you going to get into a fight? I'm like, no, man. I'm not, no, they're just a bunch of kids. It's no... It's, it's no big deal. It's cool, right? The show's over. Next thing I know, there's Dean, there's there's Kevin, and there's Nate. They got, like, chains and baseball bats. They're like, dude, we're ready to go if you are. I'm like, dude. They were not, not going to be a fight. 100% overkill. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. they're not going to fight, you know? Um, they, they just wanted to start a fight, those guys. <laughs> that show was so great. Oh, yeah. I love every band on that uh, both of them, I mean, everything. I still thing. listen to Bloodlet and Dead Guy constantly. constantly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I listen to Dead Guy a lot. Bloodlet, not so much these days, but Dead Guy, definitely. <laughs> and Theogen is one of the best fucking heavy records that's ever been released, ever. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Can you pronounce that? Can't fuck with it. <laughs> and Theogen, I think. Yeah. No. But I that, that, that's, it. that's it. And the GM. And Yo, um, no fixation on a coworker. It is, it is not a good yeah, record. That's it. Out. You can't fuck with that record. Yeah. Fixation on a coworker changed the hardcore scene. No yeah. joke. No it joke. Did. It came out. Verge wanted to be dead guy, and then 
Oh, so many other bands after that noisier sound. Like, yeah, you know, all else. I wanted to be Dead Guy after that. Yeah, all else. Sale from Philly formed specifically to be Dead Guy. Damn, yeah. that band is fucking great. Oh yeah, none of them they still are. Met. What'd you say, Derek? I said none of, are, none of them are as good as that guy. Yeah, no, nothing ever Branch, no, Bitter Branches is fucking good, though. Tim Singer's new shit. Oh, yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah. It's Tim, you know, his voice is incredible. So Those musicians are great, too, though. That record is amazing. So sick. He's, like, the best singer. That new No Escape record that came out, like, two weeks ago is fucking phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, I have it on my shelf. I still need to listen to it. So that oh. brings us to each of you. What is your current favorite hardcore band going? And then we'll probably wrap this up because we're hitting two hours and it's a Sunday night. All right, I'll go first only because this took me two seconds to think about. Uh, Be Well. That is my, it's not only my favorite hardcore record, that was my album of the year last year. I feel that record encompasses everything that I'm into. It's hardcore, it's got melody, it's got great guitar playing, and it has amazing, sincere lyrics that talk on deep subjects that touches everything in my life. Perfect record. It's dad hardcore. <laughs> and I'm a dad. It's still awesome. Larry Brent, what's up? Good to see you in here. All right, who's next? I'll go. I'll go. I just named it. It's that Better Branches record. I can't wait till they put out more shit. Like I'll anything Tim Singer does, especially with that group of musicians, like it's great. They Sorry, recorded, guys. I think so. They have something coming up soon. Yeah, I just saw that. I'm fired up about it. I just wanted to tell Sprig that when that um, "Eye Killing Eye" song came oh, yeah. out this year, so good, dude, blew my mind, dude. That was my favorite. That was and my favorite. did you guys record that in in 2020 during the pandemic, or was that an old recording, or what? 2020. So was that like all like remote, just sharing tracks and building it and making a song, or you guys are all in the studio, or what? Music in Buffalo. Scott did the vocals in L.A. before he moved yeah. back. So he okay. lives in Buffalo as of November. All right. Well, I mean, um, truth be told, I don't listen to a lot of hardcore these days, but I do listen to a lot of stuff back in the day. And that song came out, and that's in my, you know, it's in the, it's in my playlist. You know what I mean? Right after like Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. <laughs> oh my god. I prefer the old Bohemians. Oh, look at Alex with a text press. Nice. It's like, I think it's like 13 copies of something stupid. All right, uh, man, Emmy, what record is that? I got distracted. Buried alive. Ah, there you go. All right, who's next? I like. Um, there's this band called Entry. Um, they're they're they're. I think they're based out here. My good friend Chris plays drums with them. Mm -hmm. So if you like a really aggressive, female-fronted, you know, pulverizing hardcore, they're. They do they do it well. Um, entry. They, they, I think it's entry band music or whatever. Okay. But they're that yeah, and that buried a live record, Scott. That that is unbelievable. So good. Such an amazing thing to hear you play so yeah. fucking fiercely. And I love Scott Vogel and I love hearing I love Terror. I love the last thing I heard by Terror. Um I I'm like Ben and I, I listen to so and, and Scott too, I know, and probably all you guys really, but like I like much uh, my music taste is so crazy and all over the place. I mean, Mike Mike Jeffers can attest that I, I was listening to Blind Melon when yep. he met me. Uh, I still like Blind Melon. <laughs> yeah. um, Tones of home, man. You can't you can't mess with that. The soup soup is a good record. And That's what I'm saying. 
I like there's a lot of heavier music that's like my brother's in a band called Facility Men, and I think they're the best Buffalo band ever, like hands down. And it's and it's my brother, but if I didn't know it was my brother, they're, they're heavier than shit, and they're so fucking weird. It's like weird. It's it's oddball music, but you know, to me that's like hardcore in a different way, I guess. But this, yeah, but the definitely. you know, they're but all it's, awesome. Yeah. So that's my my thing. All right, Jeffers. Rob, what do you got? Yeah, go ahead, Bob. Um, my buddy sent me this thing the other day, and I don't really know who's in it, but it was like the heaviest thing. They're called End. If anyone knows any, oh, I don't know if I'm. Yeah. Does anybody yeah. know what the band End is? It's like the heaviest yeah. thing in the world. I believe Jay Pepito was in that band. Yeah. From Rain Supreme. Yeah. Yeah. And he's that's what be I've been listening to. when they play their next show, whenever that is, which is weird to me, but okay. <laughs> also, real quick shout out to Achilles, bro. Like Rob's band, Achilles after Union, consistently amazing. Like consistently amazing. You Thanks guys just have a, a new book come out, right, Rob? I was saying. yeah. I actually it looks awesome. The book looks awesome. Shout yeah, out. great. That's what's literally three years of my life putting that thing together. I don't, I don't know anything about this. You want to talk about that real quick? Because I don't. It's, I legitimately a, don't know anything about it. It's a coffee table book about coffee tables. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll make, it, I'll make it quick, obviously, because this is about Union. But uh, quick plug: uh, made this book. It's like an anthology book for the band Union. I've been or Achilles. I've been playing them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's photos, interviews. Uh, we went through every single track and talked about uh, how we came up with it and what each track is all about. And uh, yeah, literally took me three years of my life, and very happy and very proud of it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. For sure. Thanks. Jeffers, what do you got? I probably probably enforced. Um Juggernaut got to play with them in a basement uh on the east side like uh a year or two ago. It's like the rivalry reunion show. And I just couldn't believe uh, these kids were shredders and a half, you know. Um but they you know they're definitely like metal kids, uh, you know, or at least they were taught by by you know, metalheads, um, but it's got like a legit hardcore feel to it, and um, I think they're pretty sweet. But you know, I, I got to be honest. The older I get, I, I tend to really just focus between like probably like 1978 and 1986. You know, 95 percent of what I listen to at this point. You know, mm -hmm. um, some of the stuff I used to like, I got to question my sanity, um, <laughs> or at least your taste. <clears throat> well, well, definitely that too. You know, um, yeah. Um, I, I'd have more to add to the list, but like we haven't been, even though we, we've had this pandemic going on, I, I think I've gotten less done with being home more. And I, I'm actually a kind of person like, like me and Bob talk about this all the time. Like if, if there was no pandemic, I'm practicing with like four bands every week, plus playing shows, then working, taking my kids or all their, their sports and then doing all my union stuff. I only sleep a couple hours a night. Now I'm like forced to just be home and not do anything. And like, I have no motivation. Um, you know, once the shows start going again, like it'll add to the list. Um, I, I, I do say like, you know, um, I do like exhibition, um, you know, violent way. I think is pretty sweet. It's, it's cool to see these younger guys doing some, just having a cool different take, you know, um, than a lot of bands in Buffalo usually do. And we uh, just dropped the Violent Way episode with Mason today, so anybody listening, good to segue. Out, 
Great segue. <laughs> oh, for people who might be listening to this, all the union stuff is up on Bandcamp right now. Yeah. So where where do they find that stuff? Union Hardcore, UnionHC at Bandcamp.com. Okay. Cool. Uh, it is it is for free. Name your price. Um, someone paid me four dollars for it, so I will be sending like eight cents to everybody once I get the check. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep no, it, bro. No. Keep it, bro. Put it in the band fund, man. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are missing that he's keeping like three eighty for himself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Straight as feet. That's how it used to be. <laughs> nobody, nobody would remember this band except us if it wasn't for you, Mike. So you keep it. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Well, he did legally change his name, so yeah. Well, he did. You know, Alex, we talked about. This. I had no choice, right? Like when when I got an email address in like 1997, we were doing Union, so I was like, all right, Mike Union at Hotmail. Rob Union like, at Hotmail. And then like everybody I you know would meet would have that thing. And then I wound up getting a job in a union and it's easy for other people in the union to get a hold of me. Cause like, Oh, Mike union. So like, I can't, I couldn't shake it if I wanted to, I did have a mic to the world one once, <laughs> like a year, but it doesn't roll off. The it top. doesn't, it doesn't work. No, no. It doesn't Nothing. Anybody, the anybody, uh, anybody come up to Sandy and be like, Hey, Sandy union, how you doing? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, but, but Matt Fox from Shai Hulud calls her Sandy to the world. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, hey, right. just like a quick props to the guys from NCS. Like, it's cool that you're doing this. Like, it's really great. Like, I've been listening to the episodes. It's really cool that you're sort of resurrecting, resurrecting, you know, and keeping alive this time. Like, especially like that time in Western New York for hardcore was like it would be hard to imagine a better place and a better time when every band that came through that was big and hardcore like had to come through buffalo or syracuse or rochester like at the time so like that 90s period like was amazing that's why those people like came in from new zealand and spent like a month there they just like, <laughs> yeah. they could, I, like they could uh, see every one of their favorite bands like yeah it's hard to describe to people that like you could see every band you love come through like they had to come through there so like just props like and you guys do a great job so it's just awesome. keep it up That's really okay nice. Thanks. Echo that. We, we, we can't go yet without mentioning the fact that we did play with Limp Biscuit and Sugar Ray at the Warp Tour, and Sugar Ray played before us on the same stage. You did. Yeah. Um, Sugar Ray opened for us. And, like, yeah. I think is the way to phrase that. In true Mike Jeffers fashion, where I've said it about corn and Papa Roach and stuff like that, this band will never go anywhere. <laughs> and sure enough, Sugar Ray, have, you ever, have they ever done anything? Come on. Nah, never heard of them. Yo, why didn't you say anything about my bands, fucker? <laughs> 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 wait, uh, wait. Do you want to talk about like like Dead Hearts and 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 Achilles and Herod playing together in Rochester? No, nah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> on, we gotta we, we gotta wrap this up. Yo. Yeah, yeah it's two hours. Nobody cares. It's a Sunday night. Come on. I think Scott said he had one more thing to say. Do you, do you still have that, Scott, or no? Well, let let's let let Mark ask the closing question, and Scott can give everyone can give kind of a final comment, and uh, you know that'll be that. Okay, who do you guys think we should have on this podcast in the future? I think you should have um, that guy Mark from Zero Tolerance on again because that podcast was awesome. Like honestly, like I I, I listened to that thing. 
I was working and like, I'm not a big hardcore guy, but I've been listening to your podcast and I, I listened to him and I was like, this guy is so well-spoken. And, and I was like, I was totally moved by that guy and I've never met him. I don't know anything about him, but just have him back on. Awesome. That, I rest my case, please. <laughs> I yield my time. <laughs> back. Seriously though, that was, it was really good. Yeah. Anybody else? I I would say I would actually listen to an entire episode of Chris talking shit. <laughs> just don't want that. No, no, no. I would, I would. It would be must listen for me to hear Chris for like, I mean, not like two hours, but maybe like forty-five minutes, just talking shit. Class leading questions. No, yeah, like I would. I'm finally friends with people that I was not no, no, no. friends with. I want you to get in it. I want you to get in a time machine. I want you to get in a time machine. I want you to get in touch with like 1994 to 1999 Chris Wyatt. I want you to talk as much shit as you want. I'll listen to every second of it. I'll just call you. How about that? Then nobody else That's fine. I'll, I'll send you my cell number right now. <laughs> so. Uh. I had a hard time narrowing down, narrowing this answer to two people, and I'll say two only for this reason: the kid in me and the Chris Wyatt in me wants to see Brian Foister, and I'm assuming you already have something on the road that uh, So that's one that I really look forward to, and I envision that coming soon. The realistic timeline for this group: I would love to see you guys talk to Andy Williams. To see his time prior to every time I die for the bands that he did. Mm -hmm. I grew up with Andy in North Tunnel. I mean, he lived just, I was like his paper boy when I was like 14, <laughs> like 11. How are you not older than Andy Williams? <laughs> I am older than Andy Williams. That's what I thought. You Titus better have Steve Titus on. Yeah, look at that shirt. Dude, Titus doesn't do the internet. <laughs> Michael Bennett. Yeah, Mike yeah. Look at that eraser head shirt behind him. That's awesome. <laughs> Who is that? Shout out to David Lynch. It's in Cleveland at the Cleveland Fest. Uh, uh, Brian Foister we're doing in May. So this nice. is just for one person He's that actually... we'd like to see on here? What's that? Is, that? is that is this for one person that we'd like to see on the yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who you got? <laughs> I'd love to see Jesse Moscato get on here. I don't know if he has yet or not. Working on it, working on it. Because cause to me, I, I've been chatting back and forth with Jesse for the past year or so. And um, I'll be honest, like he's one of my favorite people ever in the world. And like I, I adore him. And I always felt kind of, not bad, but like I kind of identified with Jesse because he was this weird little dude that just kind of came into the hardcore scene. Like kind of felt like I was like that too. Like I didn't really feel like I, I fit in the whole – you know, I was I wasn't a tough guy, and I wasn't part of the Buffalo Crew, but like, you know, I played guitar and I was in a band. And Jesse was kind of like me in that sense too. And he used to come to the, the, the coffee shop that I worked at, and like his um, girlfriend did this like goth industrial thing, and like it was like open mic night, and uh, it just used to make me laugh because he he was always so supportive of her, oh, and like just a good, just a good human being. And I'd love to hear him talk about music from where he's coming from because I think it would be really interesting, like what he would have to say. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Working on it. Cool. Okay, has anyone else Ouch. got anything? Yeah. Ouch. 
I, I think it'd be a great episode if you had uh, Scott or Chris Ring or Titus and have people talk about the different shows that they've booked, oh, maybe yeah. separately, maybe together. That way there isn't like a specific band focus. You could just talk about this or that. And th they did a little bit of that on the Enterprise Hardcore podcast, but I'd like to hear it more Buffalo specific. I think it'd be great. Cool. Get Doug White on. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. there's there's a plan. There's a we plan. will. Nice. Yeah, Got a list. Perfect. We've got a list. All right. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. No Thank way. you, guys. Scott, you, you had something please. you wanted to bring at the end, right. right? Yeah, bring it up. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to say before it all wrapped up, and I think I speak for everyone on this podcast when I mention this, I just wanted to give, not only give a shout out to Sandy, but just thank Union <laughs> because I look at Union as what put Mike and Sandy together. She's one of like, the best supportive wife that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think it's pretty cool that my son and Mike's daughter are actually the same age. Mike's youngest daughter. They're actually in school in the same, same class. class together. Nice. So that's pretty cool. But just not only that Sandy is supportive and really amazing person, but they met at Union playing at Discovery Records. So if Union wasn't a band, when had been at Discovery Records, Mike wouldn't have met Sandy and history wouldn't have taken place. All right. All right, that's fine.